time to pull out your popcorn and your raisinets because cult following is here. I'm Victor Marino, one of your three hosts alongside Kirby Nelson and Adam Rakowski. Meow. As we lead you down the primrose path to cinematic insanity. We love movies, we love film culture, and we're going to talk about it for the next hour here on the Cult Following Podcast. Follow us on iTunes at Cult Following. Subscribe and give us a review. If you like our, if you like what you hear want to hear some old episodes, find us on SoundCloud and on cultfollowing.co. And if you live in the Phoenix area, check us out every month at Cult Classics AZ. Our next event is Jaws on the Water this Thursday at the Moxie. Jaws on the Water. Tickets available at cultclassicsaz.com. Some are coming, some are going, so you might be able to get in. And we have Wayne's World at Jump Cut next Friday at The Grid. Tickets also at cultclassicsaz. And our next big event, Terminator 2, next month, August 13th at Pollock Tempe Cinemas. Electric Boogaloo. Judgment Day is here. Time to party. All right, so this is our big 40th episode, you guys. We've been doing this now for... 40 years? 40 years, exactly. An episode a year. We've made it work somehow through death and tribulation. No, but seriously, since, uh, what, was it December 2000... November. November, yeah. 2014. Quite a while. But it wasn't posted, I think, until the end of December. No, actually January, I think. Yeah. Quite an accomplishment, I think. And we've kept this thing going, and I'm very proud of us for being able to talk about our love of movies and toys and TV shows for that long. Who else has that commitment? And a huge uh, thanks to the Phoenix New Times for honoring us. That's right. That's right. Uh, Kirby, as Kirby just mentioned, we were just recognized in the Phoenix New Times as one of the 10 best podcasts in Phoenix, Arizona. That's kind of a big deal. I'm kind of... You know, humbled and amazed, but it's good that people like our witty repartee and are uh, not telling, uh, not recaps of the Golden Girls. Somebody else does that. What? Yeah, there's like a Golden Girls podcast on there and a movie podcast I hadn't heard of. I'll have to check out sometime. Yeah, there's some interesting ones on there. I had never heard of, so I actually really like the article. Yeah, so it's cool. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, in this episode, this is one of our spoiler cast, 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 cast. I did the CGI there or the audio. C- ADR, the ADR. Yes, this episode, we will be talking about the new uh, reboot of Ghostbusters that just hit theaters this past weekend. Came at number two at the box office right behind Secret Life of Pets, which I actually really want to see. Hmm. I feel like that Secret Life of Pets, I've been watching trailers for that for like two years now. And and that poodle head banging a system of a down. I need to see that in context. I actually just went and saw it last week and um, I enjoyed it. It's um, it's funny because I know Adam didn't like it very much, but I actually was a huge fan of Zootopia. Yeah. And um, I thought that was better than Secret Life of Pets, but I enjoyed Secret Life of Pets. And the one thing I will say about it was, I mean, you watch the trailer, you kind of get an idea of what is going to happen in the film. But it definitely does go down a little bit different path in a few different spots than not exactly what I was expecting. Um, at least not as linear. And so, especially for a kid's film, although most of the better 
crop of animated films that are coming out don't exactly have a cut and dry. I, I love Craig Lanier. Kinnear? In, in, in Mystery Man, he was great. Greg Kinnear. Greg Lanier. Oh, Lin- oh, okay. I get what you're doing. I see what you're putting oh. It's going to yeah. be your all-night, folks. 11 p.m. shows. Yeah. From the 9 I'm a PM. fan of Greg Kinnear, the actor. People are, are just Googling to remember <laughs> Mystery Men right now. Yeah. So it's go ahead and take your time, folks. You know what's really funny? Just to stay on the Mystery Men uh, riff for a second and to tie it into the cartoon things. I'd never really seen many of these CGI cartoons the last few years. Um, and I recently saw The Incredibles for the first time. Finally. Yeah, I'd never seen it before. It's actually really good. I really like it. It is really good. Yeah, I I don't know why they would make a sequel to it. It, it seems like that's Pixar's thing now to do unnecessary sequels. They said this is going to be the last one for quite a long time. Well, that's good. Well, that's what the only reason I had no... It's like I understand Toy Story was an arc in the terms of his uh, human development yeah. from child to teenager to young adult, but I just feel like... Um, I never was a huge fan of Toy Story. I'm still not. I don't think it's. I liked. It was it the second one where it had the Japanese the collector, the like the yes, and the third one is yes. the one with the uh, abandonment with Lotso Bear and all yeah, that, that one I haven't seen. Although I'd seen the Lotso Bear toy like in Las Vegas and other places, and I wanted to get it just because I think it looks cute. Yeah, and he I, smells like strawberries. He does. All of them say it smells like strawberries. I wanted to get him. They had him at the Disney store. Yeah, that's where I saw him. And Disney they had like the you know the the one to one ratio sized one, and I was like, oh, it looks it looks really like like huggable, like exactly yeah. how they describe it in the film. And I picked it up, and I was like, oh, I wonder if it smells. And it's just like, oh, ugh, <laughs> oh, like too much. We're gonna have some ratings on that, including the snugability factor of these toys eventually i don't know we do need to start doing some toy reviews because um i can do one right now i i can i've gotten a bunch of them lately but we can do some another well no no no. but what i mean is is that it is interesting though it's funny that you brought up the the pop funko one i um recently became aware not to k-glock too much off topic but i do think it's really interesting i mean i've always known they've gone price but like holy shit how much some of the pop funkos like this is going to be a beanie baby oh it, it already happening it it's already just getting, like, happened. out of control like where people are really thinking like um i one movie i really really enjoyed again curving back to the animated film thing is i love the book of life yeah that's that, a really good movie that paranorman and box trolls and some of the other ones that are a little bit more of i guess you could say the dark side or um harken back to me to like a henson era yeah. style of animation and imagination i really enjoyed and i have a couple of them i was like i'll finish the set yeah 80 dollars each hundred dollars yeah. and i'm like what's the point no, uh, the whole thing with uh, Pop Funko has gotten kind of ridiculous, and it's sad because I guess San- for those who don't know, San Diego Comic Con starts this Wednesday. What? Yeah. Never heard of it. <laughs> and uh, Funko. Hope you got a hotel. Yeah, Funko has been releasing news of their exclusives in waves, so they've got. I'm pretty sure along the lines of almost, if not over, a hundred exclusive figures for San Diego Con, and it's kind of obnoxious because a lot of them are ones that I feel people would buy if they weren't exclusives. Like they have one that's the box set of all the Scott Pilgrim 
the band, you know, Scott and uh, the talent and, you know, Kim as a set with instruments. And you can only get it at San Diego Con. They have uh, some Batman versus Superman ones, including one that is so fucking clever that I can't believe it didn't make it into a regular lineup. It's the Superman uh, Funko, but he's all painted in granite. And on his chest, it says False God. Oh, that is really good. It's really clever. I'm like, oh my god, I would totally buy the fuck out of that just because it's funny on so many levels. Just, you know, it's from the movie, but yet the meta humor is there about Funkos in general. Funko Pops. But to me, it's obnoxious because I've been in San Diego Con, and to get any exclusive there is the biggest pain in the ass in the world. Because you have to go upstairs to what they call the sales pavilion Mm -hmm. and get in a giant-ass fucking line, which you'll be in for hours, just to get a lottery ticket, which tells you at what time you can go down there to buy one if they're still available. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's bullshit, guys. And I'm not going to get into how they've made it so you can't even buy them online anymore. So I'm my whole thing is San Diego Comic-Con is it, it reached that point of no return commercialization a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like Star Wars and some of these franchises aren't even going to be there this year just says, you know, I, there's a marketing aspect to cons, clearly. But when it gets so big that basically everyone's, fuck it, it's not worth it. Well, that's because they all have their own cons now, yeah. too. That's the other big part. It's like Star Wars Celebration. It's like, why be anywhere else? Oh, I know at some point Disney's just going to make D23 a yearly thing, and it's going to be the big Marvel Star Wars con. And then that'll be the end of San Diego. Pretty much. Yeah. Unless they make all those new, some of the other things, unless, like... You know, the Harry Potter book and all that yeah. kind of comes back. Like, but you have to make enough new properties and update existing ones. But Because um, I think at this point, Disney owns enough shit that they d- could do their own con just based on Disney itself. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just waiting for a new theme park. Well, that's yeah. That's dedicated solely. Because I really do think there's going to become a point where it's going to be classic Disney. People want Disneyland to be the Disneyland they've always known. Yeah. And then they're just going to open up another disneyland that'll be literally everything modern disney planet there you go there you go yeah. adam already had a marketing over there but i did want to quick jump in because dot com dot com dot com i did have a guy speak of toy reviews to throw out another review as we're going to jump into ghostbusters for the uh, main course of our one victor had the idea of having us uh have uh, an ecto cooler rating contest um on air which we can't talk about in the review but i decided especially as how much we talked about batman versus superman we're gonna have a new review contest okay. and i want you to review it so you guys can do it together you can just do it by yourself oh my god we're gonna review the batman versus superman cereals see this is actually a good thing because i don't like cereal so i can totally be unbiased in this i i actually and i can't do this or wait this one i can because i think this one is vegan but most of the time they're not so yeah or you can just you can we can do for the lovely embossed collectible covers we'll wait for we'll leave the cereal here and we'll just get some bowls and do it the next there you Mm -hmm. go yeah because i don't want to take it smoke some bowls yeah chocolate strawberry cereal is that seriously the batman flavor yeah chocolate yeah we need to read what these flavors are caramel crunch is the superman flavor and i did just check the expiration to make sure we're good november 19th so we got some time okay yeah 2035 
And what is the Cheerless what is the Batman flavor, Adam? Uh, I said chocolate strawberry. Choc- Batman is chocolate strawberry, yeah. which I would take to represent the cho- the strawberry represents the blood on his hands from his uh, decades of crime fighting. Chocolate being how it's only a black and white worldview, and Batman's on the dark. Mm-hmm. And caramel crunch being uh, a classic that's what American. He, that's what a Superman eats after he bangs Lois Lane in the bathtub. <sighs> Delicious. <laughs> I, I saw I, I saw him sitting there lonely on clearance, and I yeah. was just like, "We gotta do this one." I next. do for those of you who can't see it. Oh well, we do have the video podcast, so let's let's hold it up for the benefit of those with flash photography. Look how embossed. We'll put a link to this as well on the website. We're, I'm holding up the Superman one to the camera, and the uh, Superman symbol is all embossed and glowy. Oh. It's all glowy. It's mm. foil. Like the comic books of your youth. Mm-hmm. And Batman's is de-embossed. Is that what you would call it? Yeah. Yeah, it's set in and it's got texture, you know, for your blind friends. Oh. Maybe there's a secret message there. Serial Braille. Yes. And the back of the box says, who's your hero? And then it's basically a checklist. Brains versus brawn, skill versus speed. Getting the truth versus truth and justice, and technology versus alien abilities. Batman knows how to get the truth out of any villain. Superman strives to always uphold the values of truth and justice. Clearly not the American way, though. And Batman, basically, the serial confirms he's a waterboarder. Oh, and uh, and um, Victor here will take the uh, test on the back of the Superman box for you. There's a test? He's going to quiz us. Oh, okay. We should do this. This will be funny. All right. While the world wrestles with the kind of hero it really needs, it's time to decide once and for all where your allegiances lie. Take the quiz to see which superhero you know best. What is Superman's birth name? Is it A, Kal-El, B, Jor-El, C, Tor-El, or D, Ra-El? Uh, Rick. Mm-mm. So close. Todd. Todd would be Even closer. I like how there's a Ra-El reference on here. Like, was that an in-joke about Raelians? I, I, I think the, should, the correct answer for the home audience is A, kal True or false? Oh, and then who named their son Kal-El? What celebrity named their son? I, I know who it is. I know who Kal-El. it is as well. Oh, well, then answer it. One, two, three. Well, why don't you tell us who it is, Kirby? Mm. <laughs> I, no, I, I think I kind of want to hear your Nicolas Cage impression. <laughs> Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh, come here, come here, Kal-El. I want to. I want to. I want to show you my my bat suit. It there lights, it is. It lights up. Yeah, that was Adam nailing it. True or false? Who, for, when first introduced in comics, Kryptonite was originally red. You know, there's no answer key on here. I'm gonna say it's it, it's false. What year did Batman first appear on film? Oh, okay, this is a good one for us. 1966, 89. 64 or four or, or 43 
I have no idea because I don't I know about the Batman serial history. Not this serial, but S-E-R-I-A-L. And I imagine they're probably... But he was... The first appearance of Batman Detective Comics was 38. Mm-hmm. So it would have been probably 43. Yeah. I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. I, it would have to be 43 for the serials. But I know the Adam West Batman movie was 66. 66, yeah, of course. We don't have an answer key, so we're just kind of... It's expected that we would Google this, of course. What does the S on Superman's chest mean for Kryptonian? Should what does the S on Superman's chest mean in Kryptonian? Superman, leader, hope, <laughs> child. <laughs> Todd. 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 Rick. Yeah. In the battle between Superman and General Zod, which of Bruce Wayne's properties were destroyed? Wayne Manor, Wayne Financial, Wayne Aerospace, or Wayne Tech? Uh, his pride. Yeah. I actually think, was it Wayne Financial? Wayne Child Labor Enterprises. Hmm. In which comic book was the first full-fledged team-up of Superman and Batman? Detective Comics 27, Superman 76, World's Finest Comics 2, Superman Batman number 1. When they defeated Rosa Parks? Yeah, get in the back of the bus. All right, which of these is not a power Superman possesses? Flight, heat vision, telepathy, or x-ray vision? Although, well, th- this is could, actually a trick question. You could actually argue telepathy. whether or not that he can fly. Yeah, I would argue he, telepathy because he, that's not... But he made, he made Lois forget that she knew his identity with that telepathic kiss in Superman 2. In the comics, he doesn't have telepathy, but I would argue that was telepathy. Did you ever think a serial could cause such strife? It, and, it, and vigorous could, debate. But see, I could say that he doesn't have flight either, because the original Superman didn't have Just the, hopped. Yeah, he just was able to leap really far. He kind of does that in the new movies, too. because he, he like Man of Steel. Yeah, he like he like powers goes, up like a Dragon Ball Z guy. Mm-hmm. Poof, you know? Yeah. That's a good point. I'd argue this is a flawed question. Yeah, very flawed. So yes, this is how the Superman serial has created strife. Hopefully, the uh, caramel crunch will be a, a much sweeter aftertaste. Yeah. to the bitterness of that exam. The strawberry is the blood of Superman. <laughs> Kryptonian blood flavored. Mix them together. Have an adventure. <laughs> Come on, kids. That's the takeaway from this edition, everybody. All right. So, what have you been watching this week, Adam? Uh, Beaver Trilogy Part 4. Anyone catch that on Netflix yet? Wait, wait. Are you kidding? Is that a thing? Beaver Trilogy? Yeah. Beaver Trilogy Part 4. Now, this is something I, I didn't even know existed. And as I was watching this documentary, I didn't know why I was not exposed to it when it was supposedly around in the 90s. A guy uh, who worked for a, um, a a news station, a television station in a, in a very small town uh, near, I don't know, it was like Beaver, Ohio or something like that. I mean, or like New Hampshire or somewhere just like in BFE. Um, ran into this individual 
who he was completely enamored by and who was also said, hey, I'm going to be doing this talent show in, in Beaver. And so he goes, well, I want to do like a special interest piece on this person and, and you know, brought his the, the video. His He went basically by himself just to do this special interest story that um, when he went, the guy came out in uh, in drag singing Olivia Newton-John songs. And he completely didn't expect that. And he did the documentary about the guy that was very, you know, just a very short little documentary because actually the, um, the news station wasn't interested in exploiting this guy because it's kind of sad at the same time, too. Okay. It's kind of bittersweet. Uh, but the, the director... Uh, it's it's really strange. What well what what happens um, sequentially after that is he made two more Beaver films. It has nothing to do with like get, you know your mind in the gutter. It just happens to be the name of the town. the The next one was a, a fictionalized version of the documentary that had um, Sean Penn in the lead huh. before he was. Sean Penn. Oh, so this is from know. a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. So this is like the like seventies. No, it's like eighties. Okay. It's like right before he, um, right before uh, at close Fast times, range. Fast times. Because oh. uh, he kind of based the character in Fast Times after what he did, what he knew of this guy from from Beaver or wherever. Oh, okay. Um, and then the director of the documentary and then of this fictionalized one did another version. A fictionalized version of the first documentary of the second fictionalized one. So the third one in the trilogy had um, Crispin Glover in it. Okay. And I then he kind of... ended up, the director ended up becoming such good friends with them that they made that movie together. What is it? Um, where where Crispin was, where he took on that persona with the weird pants and like the kind of the, the weird like Bob haircut and um and was like kicking david um letterman in the face here i I gotta find it oh i thought this was that what is it or it is happening that chandler cinemas that time Uh, i was gonna say that's some inception level shit right there so yeah this fourth one was now this fourth one in well the beaver trilogy part four is the documentary about the first three in the trilogy um that he uh, that the director shelved for the longest time, wouldn't show to anybody for years and years and years and years, and only just recently in the last five years did he um, like play it at different shows. So this and is basically like a fringe kind of... Very fringe. Fringe documentary. Okay, thing. Ruben and Ed. Okay, I am not familiar with that movie. Yeah. That was the movie that he that that's the only like Hollywood movie that this director did because he was ambitious to like you know become mm-hmm. a Hollywood director and then when that really tanked in 1991 he he kind of said up oh, fuck it mm. uh, but re- yeah really interesting if you're a film fan and you like the process and you like to see you know gr- kind of grassroots sort of stuff or people becoming obsessed with their muse kind of thing I could see that yeah um, I got that. you know and then how how it all kind of um, how you deal with your uh, different foibles and and um, how you reconnect with people mm-hmm. and relationships and whatever it goes pretty deep. Uh, more surprising than I thought it was going to be. You think with some of this stuff that it's going to you know uh, go in a certain direction, but this one actually uh, surprised me in a few spots. Mm. 
I finally saw Hardcore Henry. Oh. Loved it. Have still not seen that. I kind of oh. feel I needed to see it on a big screen to really get it. Yeah, well, I, maybe. But my most favoritist thing of the whole film was Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy was great. Oh. Well, it's ca- How catches that you off surprise. It does. Like, it really does. And that's why I tried to bring up my review was is that and it just comes out of nowhere. Without, without really spoiling anything, the first part first few parts of what how jimmy is introduced and keeps helping him and pulling him along in like situations all it's like i'm back i'm here to help now you. jimmy for those who wouldn't know is uh charlo cop hopley the guy from district nine yes. right yeah yeah charlo copley but then the payoff of like why and how yeah because you start laughing after the first few times you're like well how the heck did and is why it is supposed that? to be a joke right. like why why does it keep being the yes but there's actually yeah. an explanation and you're oh, fine yeah. with the explanation the explanation and you just like go with it and you're like all right more Unbelievable more too. more more yeah and then it the, was a lot of fun yeah a lot of fun uh, on that just i don't want to derail adam but on that same trip i recently finally saw Chappie. I still haven't seen that one yet. God, it's it's so bad. I yeah, it's, really it's painful to get. There. I really wanted to like it, but God, it's like fucking terrible. I mean, Hugh Jackman is in it, and it's like this, and the kid from um, Slumdog Millionaire, and it's has like this weird kind of. If you put like RoboCop and Short Circuit in a blender, and ended like weird humor, and made it into a. Uh, the ant word music video at the same time <laughs> it sounds good but not really and like uh hugh jackman like works in a like a government contractor like like they make defense weapons and he's like always carries around a gun but he's got like a mullet like um Jer- uh, jermaine um clement has an eagle versus shark it's it's a really weird movie it, i don't think it translated well to the u.s no yeah, no, but I think that's part of it. I'm not an expert by any measure, but I do, as I've always understood from cinema studies and from some other places, that that really is like the essence of South African yes. culture. Yeah, is it really is just an amalgam of everything, and that their view is um, to recycle a lot of stuff. The Zeph thing, like, to oh be, yeah, to take like uncool things and make them your own, and. It's like without it, being it's like it's just it's a weird movie in the sense that like I could I feel like there is a plot there like it's almost trying to say some of the same things that like RoboCop and Short Circuit are trying to say and I can see if you grew up in the movie in the eighties watching it's like oh these are kind of similar things about robots and self determination but then there they has the the two Ninja and Yolandi from D Antwoord are raising this robot. That is learning computer that the guy from Slumdog Millionaire made. And they're teaching him that violence is bad, but then they're like killing people and rob it's stupid and like I don't I can't really convey so much why it doesn't work except for the facts that it lacks Fisher Stevens. No it, no just that's just be it. Honest, the man. kid from Slumdog Millionaire is he, Fisher he plays Stevens. That role. Yeah. <laughs> he dresses just like exactly him. the same. He has like the corduroy jacket. And it's like I get the joke, but literally, it's there. <laughs> yeah, they're not hiding it. Yeah, and it's bad. And like Hugh Jackman is Dick Jones. It, it's it's so weird. It's yeah, so weird. It's very polarizing. Yeah. Anyway, go on. I'm but sorry. I can understand the culture yeah. of it. You know, yeah. but it's, it's more more of a cultural study than it is a yeah 
coherent kind of movie. Broad, worldwide sort of well, District 9, I think, just worked as, you know, it's an allegory that everyone can understand. Yeah, yeah. I think that's whereas, what it is. Whereas I heard from the reviews I heard of Chavi, it just really yeah. wasn't that. So, Right. Misfires. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Emotional misfires. Emotional misfires. I, it, like he kind of said, like, Robocop or Short Circuit, and it ended up being more like hardware. Kind not, of. Not with, without being... No, actually, like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. I, I have never read that or anything, but... From what somebody said that, or from what people have told, I have heard the Robocop and Short Circuit thing, but they're like, yeah, but it didn't turn out like that. And I was like, would it turn out like hardware or something? Because Richard Stanley is also, um, you know, as well as filmmakers, his stuff just is We'll have to do an episode about cyborg cinema sometime, because there's just so much of it. Yeah, especially the glut from like 86 to 96. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love Real Steel. Yeah, I also with now. Hugh Jackman. Yeah, guilty pleasure. Over That's the, one over of the those top f- with robots. I will say the one thing about Real Steel is, is that um, truly one of the most interesting success stories for a film. I mean, how much money it made, and I mean, I really the sec- first time I saw the trailer, I'm like, this is gonna tank instantly. Yeah. This is gonna be out like one week, two weeks at the most. And maybe it'll find life dollar theater. It's one of those DVD. movies that made money, but everyone forgot about. Oh yeah, instantly. And it's real weird because you would expect a movie like that to come out during like the BattleBots era, mm-hmm. like when that was like the number one show. I'm sure that's on when cable. it was pitched, probably. Yeah, I remember that. Well, I remember growing up. My brother was so into BattleTech and RoboTech. Was watching Robot Jocks all the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lastly, I saw, I watched, well, this afternoon to get, uh, ramped up into Ghostbusters on Netflix. They have a documentary called Ghost Heads. Which oh, I think I saw Ghostbusters fan that on there. People oh, are called Ghost Heads. It's a lean hour and maybe 15, 20 minutes. Uh, you can tell that it was made with a lot of heart and, uh, but, uh, <sighs> Some documentaries are done with finesse. Mm-hmm. Other documentaries are done with uh, maybe some amateur hour based on other documentaries and what they've done. Oh my gosh, I'm just digging a hole. There's a lot of crying. In it's this not that good. This is what you're saying. All they do is they Crying go from... about what? About their fandom for Ghostbusters. How much they love it so much that is they this burst like, into so tears. So it's kind of like that Trekkies one. I don't remember so much crying in, in Trekkies. It's real to me, damn it. <laughs> um, but there, I didn't get what you're there saying. There was more kind of like sappiness or maybe kind of sadness in Trekkies. Yeah. I mean, you kind of felt bad for the people I that never lived felt, in their basement. I, but Yeah, but I mean, that was... I mean. The, the thing about the Trekkies is they tried to make it at least, both Trekkies and Trekkies 2 were both at least tried to tilt it towards that there were a gamut of different individuals as, who are part of the fan base. That not everybody had the same way of life and stuff. And some of the ones that did, I mean, I, I, mean, I thought some were pretty cool. Like, it's incredible. Sure. Like, I'm a, I grew up father, first generation. My father has a shirt from a picture of him from 66 or 67 with a Trekkie shirt on. Mm-hmm. And my father is the least like kind of guy you'd meet. I'm, you know, 
he just doesn't seem like the kind of guy to be into it. But so I grew up on it. But it's just one of those ones where I didn't feel as bad. But I kind of thought that's maybe where you're going with the crying thing. But no, 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 no. I mean about crying about how into it, like how it affected their lives or something like that. But I wasn't sure. <sighs> Without there's there's some of that. But then there's a lot of things where they it feels like they're maybe pushing their buttons. I don't know. It, it's oh, very, like it's antagonistic? Uh, it's opportunistic. And it's exploitative well, I can't believe in some that ways. Because there's so you have, many of these documentaries That's now. what I'm saying is yeah. that it's just not that good because you go from one person who says, well, my son is autistic. Oh. And then dad starts to kind of choke up a little bit. And he goes, well, and then Ghostbusters, he found that and he started wearing the uniform and had much more confidence. And then he just starts bawling. They stop that. Then they go to the next person and says oh well i i was a drunk for many years like fall down oh, like, gotcha. like i you know i would wake up in the kitchen with my stove on uh after i passed out and realized i had to change my life i went to aa and that wasn't the thing for me and then i watched ghostbusters and it changed my life and then she starts crying and she like has to leave the room because she's too emotional. The then they stop. Then they go to the next person. And it's the same thing all over again. It's I like I used to watch Ghostbusters with my grandpa. And he was the one who introduced it to me in 1989 when Ghostbusters 2 came out. He said, you got to see Ghostbusters 1 before you see 2. So he he we watched that together. So that was our thing. Then we bonded. And then he starts crying. you know, And he goes, well, then my grandpa died like in 1992. And I wish I said goodbye to him before he died and hung out more with him and told them how much Ghostbusters meant to me. Yeah. And then they stopped, and they go to the next person, and it's just like, uh, Jesus Christ. I get what you're saying. I think when you see that the in a documentary, like to a certain degree, uh, like once is good for that, but I feel there's so many schmaltzy documentaries right now, like the Bat Kid one, mm -hmm. where like the whole it's this kid and he has a term. So we're gonna fulfill his wish and turn the whole city into a Batman playground for him, and then it's two hours long. It the whole thing following him around, whereas yeah. a documentary like that should be about how you know learning about him. The you know oh this is so much work, mate. Not actually following him around for the whole thing. Then it's just like we're listening like. You know, we're, we're just trying to make you cry. And if you cry, that means it's good. Well, and if they had had the balls, they would have talked about the controversy surrounding that. Yeah, exactly Truly. how DC originally wasn't going to let them do it. Well, not just that, but I mean, where the f how the funds were arranged for that. Yeah. And what happened and, and what you know, disparity in terms of race and class, um, which does happen with mm -hmm. a lot of that kind of stuff. And I just feel like... I mean, not because I truly feel that it's a, it's an awesome story. And yeah, it's just your typical Yahoo news thing. I mean, it mattered to that kid, and that is, in the end, what matters. But I do think, I guess kind of on the schmaltzy side of what you're saying about documentaries, I do think people, instead of letting things happen naturally in life, are obsessed with turning it into a movie, into cinematic. It's like people go on... Um, and somebody, I mean, I, I've had been very lucky to have traveled pretty much the entire world. I mean, I've been to six continents, 40 countries. I'm really blessed for the opportunity. But I never once got into any of the modes that a lot of people do where, like, I'm going to turn this into, like, you know, I'm going to desecrate something right. sacred so I can have my perfect photo. It's like, yeah. and that's what I feel like these a lot of people do with these kind of things is, like, the, the story, there's some root in it that's great. But if this kid had, they'd spent a thousand dollars 
of contribution from a bake sale and gotten people involved from the community and and they could have done it so easily too and instead it's like oh here we're gonna do this you know and it's it goes to the whole like gofundme and kickstarter thing where people will put money towards anything without really knowing about it and i don't mean it this is not to be you know just like the total Debbie Downer kind of thing. I no, just but feel I, I know what you're getting at. That they, yeah. it could have no, been done it. at a smaller scale, and but, basically this is like a big commercial for Make a Wish. But didn't what, you? Didn't did you guys watch back in? I've watched parts of it. I can't really. Did you get, watch it? Yeah, same thing. Just saw parts of it. And no, but no, 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 no. Then then I have to stop you right now because they do address the money issue. They oh, do okay. address like like all that. Yeah, stuff. they have, and that's great. But what I mean is, is that I I feel like there was including kind of the aftermath of that. And I guess that that's my big They addressed that, too, the yeah. aftermath of well, it, too. No, 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 I believe Well, that. then we, we should, like, tie this back into the serial bowl thing. That way we have a, a Batman thing to talk about next week. We'll talk week. about yeah, next Yeah. Time. All right, it, it, well, so let's tie a bow on that yeah. so we don't get too bogged yeah. down in Oh, yeah, yeah, but I do think it, it, it does have a good launching point, more on the original The Ghost Heads documentary that you're talking about, on how documentaries are made now and I think that does go to, like, there's a lot of documentaries now. I mean, there is, and it used to be, like, the red shirt pictures thing, and you would have, like, a featurette link. And now everyone is obsessed with having, like, and I do, and there's some good things, like a never sleep again. It's like, I never expected you could make an eight-hour documentary and on that, a film. And that's, I feel like this this is something I want to talk about at some point. But sure, I, like we can. That, to me, is, like, those are, that, those are, like, the eight-hour, nine-hour ones from Nightmare on Elm Street, to me, those aren't really documentaries. It's like fan service things, because a real documentary shouldn't be that long. Like, well, unless it's kind of like a Ken Burns Civil War type thing. I can't equate those as the same thing in my mind. Well, and that there is a part that it's a, a worthy note, because, I mean, obviously, like I said, I really enjoyed uh, Making a Murderer uh, yeah. last year, and that's a 10-hour. You can't really consider a documentary. You can't really consider a movie. It's it's like a Ken Burns. Yeah, it's thing. an investigative discovery type yeah. thing. And there is and there's definitely a, and then there's the documentaries that are terrible because they are total fan service. Yeah, and there which is no once one. I get to my movies, I'm going to talk about one. Do you want to go into it then? No, well, it's still we're still on Adam. No, I'm done. Oh no, I think he said that was his last. Oh, okay. That's why I was transitioning. Other than yeah. Ghostbusters. Oh, okay, so like uh, I saw one. I saw a documentary this weekend. It's called uh, Lucha Mexico, and. Um, ostensibly it's supposed to be about lucha libre in mexico and it's a lot like my review i'm gonna do a review of this on cultfollowing.co but it's my big problem with it is the same problem i had with resurrection of jake the, the snake, snake to a much bigger degree where like if you my review is basically it's a good resurrection of jake the snake is good if you know the story going in it's much better, but if you're coming in cold, you're gonna get like little bits of it and not know as much. Like whereas like beyond the mat or something, they tell you everything. And you're mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, I can come into this cold. Lucha Mexico. If you don't know anything about Lucha Libre or pro wrestling or anything, you're. I feel like you're gonna come into this lot, coming in and out of this really lost because there's no voiceover no actual like arc or anything 
like I'm watching this, I know a lot about Lucha Libre. It covers three different promotions, CMLL, which is like the one that's been around since the early 20th century. It's like the W the NWA of Mexico, the National Wrestling Alliance, you know. And they own the biggest uh wrestling coliseum uh, Arena Mexico, right in the heart of Mexico City. So it's like everyone who's been anybody's been there. And then there's AAA, which is like the WWE of Mexico, where like guys from WWE and up north come down there to wrestle sometimes. And they change your tire. Right. And um, then the, and then the third one, uh, Perros del Mal Production, which is like the ECW, and they talk about how they 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 aim at like. Um, you know the ECW kind of eighteen and over. You know independent wrestling. There is a, and they film this over four years, and they follow like four or five different guys. Like Shocker, a thousand percent Guapo is his nickname, and he's been in uh, TNA and a lot of U.S. promotions. And they also follow um, this guy named John Strongman, who's like uh, like a bodybuilder who goes down to Mexico to wrestle. I had no idea who this guy was beforehand and um and a, a, like blue demon jr and um uh pero aguayo jr now the reason this is important is pero aguayo jr is the guy who died a few months ago in a wrestling match uh Literally. fighting ray mysterio, mysterio. jr yeah. okay so and they're filming this while this happens and his death is like not addressed at all in the movie. Hmm. They address the, the this other guy, Fabian El Gitano, who uh, commits suicide after uh, losing his mask. They make it seem like he committed suicide. Actually, I looked it up. It's more like the Louis Spicoli thing, where he took um, muscle relaxants and you know alcohol and like the soma deaths. Yeah, and. There's not, it doesn't really, you, it jumps to talking to these guys for a minute. There's a part where it talks to Blue Demon Jr. and he talks about how he got into wrestling and it's really interesting and then they don't come back to that. And it's filmed really beautifully, but there's just like no arc. And Does it, it just kind of feel like it's cobbled together? No, it's a lot like the H.R. Giger documentary. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Because mm -hmm. we all liked that one, but we were all on the same page where it was like, if it's you know like a stream of consciousness yeah it's like we're gonna follow this for a little bit then this and then you know there's like cool b footage and it goes to the next thing but mainly it falls around this guy shocker who used to be a big wrestler got his knee all fucked up and he's still wrestling but there's not a tragic wrestler thing to it like he opened a restaurant and he loves wrestling and it's like but the whole thing is in spanish and it's kind of like oh man i just this is like i wish somebody with better editing and maybe some voiceover went in and like made this better because they have so much great footage and kind of didn't tell a coherent kind of kind of reminds me of what i thought about uh i am thor yeah a lot yeah, like that it's kind of just it's kind of like what's the point really i mean what where's the beef yeah and it, it's just it's because i've watched it more than once i'm like I, i'll probably watch this more because i'm already interested and in know this and i'm like i'm seeing little easter eggs but if i was shown like oh watch this you're gonna learn about lucha libre no you're not you're gonna come in thinking oh well that's cool that that guy does well and i feel bad for him it's more of a scrapbook yeah and it's not like they even end up tragic like this one guy strong man like uh he gets his uh, bicep torn and he goes back to the U.S. and he starts doing deadlift competitions. And he says, now I spend more time with my family. I'm like, okay, that's actually better. But it's just weird because in the periphery, you see the interesting stories that they're just not, like, they don't interview Ray Jr. at all. 
but they spent a lot of time talking to Paraguayo about like how he got into wrestling, and then they never really touch on him after he dies. And they talked to a few people who were in WCW, like uh, Damien Six Six Six, and he talks about like. He's talking about all his scars from doing extreme wrestling and everything. It's like, we just give 100%. And I'm like, oh, he seems like a nice guy. I, I guess they're going to keep following. No, they don't. <laughs> it's just weird. Hmm. Yeah. Um, on that same thing, I also saw uh, The Infiltrator with uh, well, Brian Cranston and John Leguizamo. And it's basically... Uh, how can I put this? There's a review on cultfollowing.co. It's one of those movies I wanted to like. It looks very 80s. Um, if you've well, seen that's Blow, where it's set, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's like it, it follows around the same uh, kind of storyline as the Cocaine Cowboys documentary. In fact, uh, Michael Pere is in this movie, and he plays one of the informants whose death is talked about in Cocaine Cowboys. Mm-hmm. But the whole movie is kind of has this weird kickboxer quality to it because it's based on the character who uh, Brian Cranston plays. He plays a character named Bob Mazur, and he wrote a story about his life as an undercover agent. And he's like the best agent. He never cheats on his wife. He's a straight arrow. So when you watch the kickboxer, the Jean Claude Van Damme movie, it's all about Frank Dukes, and he's I like mean, blood sport. Blood sport. That's yeah, I was it. gonna say. I was like, I don't remember. Sorry, no, no. I'm story, glad you called but, me out. But, but yeah, maybe. blood. You know exactly what I'm talking yeah, exactly. about, though, right? I, yeah, he flubbed. A, flubbed is putting it like yeah, like oh yeah. The character Jean Claude Van Damme plays in Blood Sport is is based on a real guy named Frank Dukes, and the whole movie is basically set up to say I'm the best guy ever i you know my life story is rags to riches it's immaculate it's not just like an yeah. embellishment it's like a completely like i was always the good guy yeah I, and that's what you kind of feel watching this like there's the colombian cartel like gives him a hooker and he won't fuck her because he won't cheat on his wife um that tries to set up like some like chemistry between him and his uh, CIA ordained fiance played by Diane Kruger, and they have these scenes where in any other movie they would kiss because, and then they just hug, and it's really awkward. <laughs> this is almost like uh, like O.J. Simpson putting out that book. If I did it, yeah, you know. But it, it the cinematography in this movie is really cool. Um, I thought John Leguizamo did a really good job. And it's like blow, you know, where it's a self-serving kind of, you know, you, some of this stuff probably happened, but then you, you're still like, well, let's, if I want to watch a movie that feels like the 80s, I'll watch blow or this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw... I just want to say John Leguizamo is super underutilized. He's really good in actor. this. The guy he's who directed really this movie, um, I think his name is Tom Furman. He directed Cranston and John Leguizamo in another movie. It's kind of eh, called The Lincoln Lawyer. So he's yeah, one of these guys one. who uses the same cast over and over. Yeah, but he's just one of those guys, like, I mean, I just think about him just to see. It's it's real weird, like, growing up with John Leguizamo. Like, I remember him in movies growing up as a kid. But it's weird, like, to think about, like, his mid eight, mid to late 90s output. I mean, I really think his role as clown violator in the in Spawn is the only real redeeming quality. Oh, that then, movie? Yeah. Oh, he movie. does such a great job he's in so, that makeup. He's so perfect. And yeah. And um... I actually do have a fondness for the movie The Pest. Um, I really like him in uh, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, yeah, where he plays Tybalt. Yeah. yeah, he's like the best. He's the best villain in that but movie. But he's just—he's a guy who can really play. And there was a movie that 
Um, there's a couple other ones. I mean, it's just, you can't remember off the top of your head. I can't remember off the top of my head. I have to look at the IMDb. But he, he it, that's the way I put He's always the standout in a film. Like, yeah. And then he's also, like, uh, Boz Lerman, I think, also put him in Moulin Rouge because he's like, oh, this guy delivers because yeah. he plays, what, Toulouse-Lautrec in that movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's really good in that. He's, like, the heart of that movie. Well, he's got kinetic energy. Yeah. Uh, but I think sometimes he, with when he has that much presence uh, and kind of over-the-top uh, comedic delivery that it kind of feels like Rob Schneider-ish in some yeah, ways. Yeah, he tries to mix it up, but like the serious But movies, when he does like a serious like film, it's Summer like... Summer of Sam or something. You know, he's yeah. really yeah, good. Th- that's the one I was going to yeah. say where he really is the standout and stuff but it's um i was just gonna say the pest could have been a rob schneider vehicle right very easily i think that's um, more what i was getting i still at. i can still stuff. instantly like picture the vhs box art of that with the bright yellow, yellow and thing. red yeah with the target yeah, yeah. It, i'm saying unfortunately like some of uh some of his acting he's interchangeable yeah kind of what i was getting at you know i can see that he can be but he's one of those guys his presence when it's on is on no that's yeah no, I, that's, I will right. say this about john leguizamo his little bit like he has a little bit role in john wick i don't think that movie would have worked without him in the, be- in the beginning of that movie establishing what a badass john wick is when he won't take in his stolen car because he's like oh you guys are fucked you're fucked yeah he was yeah. great that. now i think about yeah you know who the fuck you stole this from yeah he just like, that's that all you need great. is john like was on say is ah get you know I'll, like, do you know who my dad is like tell him who hit you and then, then it's like you you hit my son they stole john wick's car oh <laughs> <laughs> it's true um i saw cell which is based on a stephen king novel starring uh john cusack and samuel jackson and the chick who played esther in orphan yeah oh god i name Furman. i don't remember yeah but um that's such a weird movie i feel like maybe 10 years ago this no it's if it had been made between hearts and atlantis and secret window (laughs) John Leguizamo was terribly miscast in this movie, uh, and it, it seems like nobody. Wait, are we talking about the cell? No, it's called Cell. Cell. I'm sorry. And it's basically he's in an like an airport, and he's like a he's a comic book artist with an estranged marriage, and he's trying to fly back home to be with his wife and son. So in many ways, it's kind of like World War Z, and I wonder if this got dumped because it's very similar. So John Leguizamo? No, no, John Cusack. Okay, so that's why I asked. I said, what movie are we talking about? John Cusack. John Cusack. John Cusack, comic book artist, trying to get back to his wife. Suddenly, there's a big thing on everyone's cell phones, and anyone who heard the signal turns into this... die in seven days. Turns into a a cross between a zombie... Or and the invasion of the body snatchers hive mind. So they're all trying to turn everyone into part of the hive mind, and if not, At world's end. Sorry. Well, kind of, yeah. Actually, <laughs> I'm just starting to no, no, really. Stuff that reminds it's me of very much that. It just it's kind of taking everyone over for part of this network, and their big hive mind. And in the nobody's cell phone, if they use their cell phone, it turns you into a monster, and the the whole world turns Walking Dead in about a day and a half. So Pokemon Go. I, my review was actually mentioning that, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just just John Cusack just can't uh, emote gravitas. 
And Samuel Jackson is just Samuel Jackson. Uh, you find out he's gay in a throwaway line. You know, I, I think John Cusack is kind of getting that I'm just bored of doing movies. Yeah, he's very bored of this movie. Acting style. And I think his self he's you know, I, I know Kirby does this sometimes, and I'm going to be guilty of it, too. <laughs> He he is so self conscious about his hair in this movie that it <laughs> overrides everything. I believe it because at, you know it has his you know his pitch black dyed thinning hair, which is really obvious in Maps of the Stars or any of the other movies you've seen. And the rest of the movie, he's either wearing a his hoodie jacket over it or a beanie, even though it doesn't make any sense and no one else does. It's all you start to notice after all. It's like, <laughs> okay, you're not happy with your hair. I get it, and it's kind of bizarre. If you don't want to be the action guy, then get, you know, put out a pocket for a wig dude. I don't know. Brendan Fraser it. I'm not that unhappy, but yes, <laughs> self-consciousness. It's not because I have any kind of uh, thinning or balding Oh, hair. I don't mean you oh, no, personally. No no no, 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 but I am very, um, but one of the big things is I don't like having, uh, that's why I used to cut my hair super short. I hate having hairs out of place. And, like, right now, I've just started having, like, some kind of, like, self-intervention where I'm just, like, laying it go. Like, um, like uh, just getting messy. Oh, yeah. But, All um, I was referencing was the Brendan Fraser thing from last time. I oh, wasn't oh, talking, I talking about, about you personally. No. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. I was like, no. oh, I was like, oh, well, that's true, too. But um, the <laughs> Brendan Fraser, I was going to say, yeah. no one is We spent a lot of time talking about that last time. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, no don't, one don't is. Don't go down that path. Yeah. I, it's funny, though, you talk about, like, him not caring about acting because I was just going to say the two people who also have the hair thing that are in the exact same boat is Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, yeah. who I really just do not think care at all about anything. And I mean, the financial problems aside. Well, it's weird because I feel for the longest time John Travolta went out of his way to try to show he had like a full hairline like in Swordfish. And now, like in movies, he has these really weirdly manic manicured like Captain Picard's type hair pieces. So I'm just actually convinced he's completely like Lex Luthor bald right now. Well, I think he... Like he, in that movie is from Something with Love. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, from Paris. With, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where he was the assassin. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. you know, he didn't look that bad bald. He should just let it go. Yeah, well, he's one of those dudes who, um, no, he, he did take a picture with some guy, like a selfie a couple years back where um, he was at the gym and he took a picture of this guy and he had no hair piece on and it's just very thin like yeah it's just and and if you see savages that terrible blake lively movie um yeah he he has like this like toupee that's the like the homer simpson kind of hair but you can tell it's a toupee because it's got that chia thing going on so maybe he's okay with it. it's like no no that that's her acting you know, and it's like, okay, dude, just let it go. So yeah. I, I was wondering not too long ago to kind of put an end cap on stuff that you put on your head. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering if when people get the the hair club for men, or I mean, not to like you know the single out any particular organization who helps people, you know, relocate their hair. Is that kind of almost like LASIK, where it only lasts for a certain amount of time and then your follicles die again? No, I think you know? no. I, I knew a guy who did this when I was a kid because mm -hmm. uh, I think our neighbor did it. What they do is, you know, the back of your head, like right, like right, right here. No, I know the process. Yeah, they but just I'm like cut it out. They like it's like surgery. It. Like yeah. right. So where it has a light, and they just like plant it, like, and then it still has the live follicles. Yeah, and so then, that's what I was wondering. The, the, and like, it either takes or it doesn't. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the other one, the um Oh god, it's right in my head. The like shampoo and all oh, that. Oh, um Minox- Rogaine? Rogaine. Minoxidil. Minoxidil. <laughs> I also always think I always think of the episode Sam I always think to halfway Samson Delilah episode of uh Simpsons and um or Simpson Delilah and then the um body bags, John Carpenter's body oh, yeah. bags. I always think of. But it really is is that um Data. I think that with a lot of those things, yeah, it's either to stimulate growth or they'll just transplant stuff. I mean, it's well. I was more so wondering if it's if it's a permanent. No, I don't think any of them no. are hundred percent permanent. Because uh, I, I think Tommy Dreamer did it, and yeah. uh, for for a while it did fill in. Tommy Dreamer, the wrestler, and it did fill in. But like, it's been ten years, and now he has got well, the see, same that, bald. Spot it's the again. same thing as uh, Jason Alexander. He's again has the Captain Picard where he's bald yeah. on the top and then he has the sides in the back. But I remember that he was going through that process at one point. Yeah, yeah well, I don't but think now he's took, bald again. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to look at what was it? Ni- burning is nineteen eighty one, and he is already like his hair is so thin. Stuff. I mean, I I come from family. Actually, I shouldn't say I don't have. I mean, I have some degree of thinning hair, but it's one of those things where I truly believe. If if I ever lost my hair and I am coming up on forty, it's um one of those ones where I mean I wish I could grow a beard I would let it go a lot easier yeah. but I you know still have a full head my father my most of my family does but it's one of those things where I do think there's a humble grace in letting go of things you can't control because that's, I can tell that's you that's kind of what I'm doing because I like I I want to get all salt and peppery in the home. yeah well that's another one like going yeah. gray it's yeah. like if i go gray i go gray there's you know i mean i've dyed my hair black a lot of times anyways so i might keep dyeing it but if i go gray i don't think there's a i don't think it's there's bill burr does a piece about it. it's like grow old gracefully yeah um you know we are gonna look better and better anyways as we get older because we don't have a lot of i got a good segue to this from our life. parents yeah like you know i go we're not out in the sun working 12 hours a day and we don't do a lot the habit so i say i think it's a good thing but you know yeah. just let it go don't try and it's like the airbrushing people do it just kills me not just literally in photos people are literally trying to airbrush themselves mm-hmm. now to, to have a mask to walk out and it's not like something like oh i have uh vitiligo or some other skin that m- it maybe makes me feel uncomfortable it's like that's okay to have something like that but do not um, you know, it's like, God, man, just be yourself. It's going to be okay. Like, yeah. Sorry, segue it in, The man. segue is, uh, so I was watching the new uh, Netflix series, uh, Stranger Things, this weekend. I'm not done with it yet. Same with me. I'm four uh, episodes in. Yeah, and it's good. It's good. If you like 80s movies, uh, if you like The Goonies or Explorers, if you like um, Stand By Me, if you like Firestarter, you will like this. It's pretty much all that in a blender. Um, but when Nona Ryder is in this, and she is single-handedly the worst thing about this show so far. Yeah, I'm like five episodes in, and I, she's just her character's literally her son disappears in four episodes of hysterical crying and <laughs> screaming, um, and the whole That's time, thing. and the whole time I'm thinking like, 
uh, Winona Ryder used to be so cute, and she had so much plastic surgery in the in her thirties and probably early forties that she she looks like she's like an actress wearing a Winona Ryder prosthetic mask. Mm. It's really noticeable. It's really bad. Now you can't talk about that, Victor. That's wrong. no, but I, it's just one of those Are you things. Attack Meg what, Ryan. No, next? no, no. I'm not going to make not this a bigger so, issue. I'm what just, I'm saying is. It's really bizarre how, like, you know, for the longest time, the aesthetic was, like, try to stay young as much as possible. But now, when I see, like, um, you know, like, Sally Field in something, or a lot of uh, actresses, like, or Meryl Streep, who've just let themselves age naturally, I'm like, oh, my God, that's a lot more refreshing than seeing, like, the Joan Rivers kind of movement that's kind of gone by the wayside. You know, because I want to see people on TV who look like people. You know, not like people. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess no. I mean, that's I, all I'm I, saying. I, I, I know. Yeah, yeah I, don't I do want to bring it up because the only quick thing I want to say about that is that it's important. Is is that people go well? You know, again, and it's going to segue well into our main topic yeah. of some of the controversy. Is is that I don't think people can make life affirming statements to say to people, "Be who you are." You know. Be who you are naturally. I mean, do what you want that is going to make you happy. But, you know, it's at the same time, because I'm not going to tell anybody what not to do, like plastic surgery or whatever. But I do think people, if you want to talk about true self-acceptance, I mean, more and more, not only are people so entrenched in looking like somebody else that it's like, or like you said, like the Winona Ryder mask. It's like, I want to look, I want people to recognize me. It's like people would recognize you if you just looked natural yeah i've never seen anybody age that truly look completely different 100 percent. like i couldn't tell them yeah out of a lineup like if you were to show me so i don't know why people do it but anything else besides i was gonna bring up stranger things too but no that's all i mean like the new season of mr robot started and it's all right so far i'm still of the opinion like that's a show like scream queens that really doesn't need a second season and i kind of wish they wouldn't do one but it was on sale for Prime Day for seven dollars the whole season, so I'm just gonna write it out. Well, supposedly he had he had the whole uh, I think what like three seasons already kind of yeah outlined. Anyways, it's so he very, said, well, if it's, the first one does well, then yeah you know, he'll continue on with what he this has season, as far as a full vision. Yeah, but if if season one was all they got and no one watched it and they canceled it. He would have been fine with that. Yeah, too. it's not like a, a a true detective sort of thing no, where they no, just no. completely, I, you know, gutted themselves. It just seems unnecessary. But like the, well, yeah, I watched but. the first two, and they're doing more like the thing in Fight Club where um, Tyler can take control of the narrative. Right. What? But you know, the thing is, is that you know, th- th- this came out at a time where it's very topical yeah no this it's second still... season is like just so like the, the looking into a mirror yeah of what's going on in society i, right I now. did like the thing they're doing where they're doing the seed like obama is in it in footage and they're having a, <laughs> they're a, doing the contact thing yeah or um you know they have somebody doing an obama voice and the lips match what he's saying it's, right yeah it's like clever yeah yeah well like contact yeah but yeah, other than that, it's just Ghostbusters is the only other thing I saw. 
Yeah, we can talk about those. Yeah, I definitely want to bring up Stranger Things, but I think you covered it pretty well. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that actually, though, real quick. That, yeah, I thought Explorers, people keep saying Goonies, but I totally got more of an Explorers Yeah, that's what vibe. I said. Ex- yeah, 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 that's what I'm going to say, but I, th- I keep seeing reviews, and people always say Goonies first. I think Stand By Me is a great point, too. Yeah, I think those are the main three I'm yeah. getting, is Explorers, Stand By Me, and Firestarter, because yeah. Eleven is totally Firestarter. I was also going to say there is a huge... I mean, it's the way he writes his books is kind of like it, but it is totally Dean Arcoons's Watchers. Um, more the original book than oh, the not Corey the movie, movie yeah. but the original book, um, which I did read when I was young. Um, uh, one Easter egg I did like is when the guy, the cop is visiting the morgue to check on the body, that the guard is reading a, a book that has Stephen King's picture on the back. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. The only one I did, the only one I was going to point out real quick on the Easter egg and stuff, there's some very realistic, obviously, like, set dressings and set design. But the one with the fucking Evil Dead poster, I'm like, Evil Dead came out in 1983. There's an Evil Dead poster on the one kid's wall, the older brother, and I'm sitting here going... Okay, that film, you never... No one would own a poster of it. Well, no, there's another kid who has a The Thing Thing poster, and that movie bombed. Bombed. Now, I believe, because The Thing was more mass market, you might see that, maybe, by chance. But not... I mean, a theater had... In a town like that, if you even had a theater, had, like, one screen. Yeah, I could tell you the the one thing... thing, And actually, this is... There's something very, very similar in Ghostbusters we'll talk about. But um, eventually, jeez. Yeah, sorry, buddy. I, sorry, this happens sometimes. I will say um, the fact that all the kids are using walkie-talkies to talk to each other. I've seen so much '80s nostalgia type shit in the last however many years. It's about fucking time that it shows kids using walkie-talkies to talk to each other. That is how people, kids played with walk. That as no- long as you were about thirty feet away. After that, yeah, they were, they were useless. But he, you even saw it in movies at the time. I feel like, oh sure, yeah, it just became totally forgotten. Like, thank God someone remembered how big, <laughs> how big CB radio and walkie-talkies were in the nineteen eighties. Because that's that's it. That's the cell phones of the day. Anyway, yeah, ten-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, right before I started Stranger Things, because it just got added, I'll just quick mention: I had never seen Penny Dreadful. It's uh, good. I'm about like four or five episodes. It's very in. hammer. I'm willing to, yeah, continue to give it a shot. Um, I'm finally catching up on some of the stuff I bought over the years. Um, or bought over the years. Well, that's a long ways to go. But the um, stuff I bought over the last week, I did check out on that Barnes and Noble sale, and I did pick up The Brood and Quieten. Um, oh, the yeah. Brood, obviously a Cronenberg classic. Mm-hmm. Quiet enough, I actually always wanted to see was uh, is a Japanese anthology film. It's over three hours long, mm-hmm. and it's four folk tales, um, supernatural folk tales. And one this of them, is the one that has a Kabuki mask on the cover, right? Kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, oh, that's Oni that's mask. that's oh, that's Oni oh, uh, Baba. Oh, yeah, that's Oni Baba. Quieten has the one with the picture of um, he has. He's being his face is being oh right right right. I, I keep forgetting Oni Baba and Kuro Neko yeah. mixed up. My bad. But it's no, it's all good. Yeah. But it's um the one thing I will just point out real fast is is that one of my favorite and everyone knows who knows me. Lo- I love anthology horror. Um, Tales from the Dark Side. The movie is one of my favorites, and literally. Lovers Vow, which is my favorite segment, is taken verbatim from this 
quite in the story basically oh, it has its funny. own twist of course i mean that's its originality points but the the basic premise is totally the same um an off forgotten 70s film that's one of my favorites um just got the ultra deluxe treatment and very limited numbers um in releases um uh blue sunshine which oh. is directed by jeff learman who's one of my kind of unsung favorites he did um uh squirm just before dawn and remote control over the years and he is just a phenomenally fun director and he always has really interesting elements and ideas and a new company called film centrics releasing mm. put out like a three disc um edition of it and it is beautiful like it is unbelievable how nice this edition is and i think it's only like it was 35 bucks plus shipping i think mm. but it is just absolutely gorgeous um i do hope to have a review up of it but um you know i don't think they've released anything else this is just their first project but very cool yeah, i've um, not even heard of that one i've yeah. seen his other works but yeah very cool stuff um i did pick up the scream one speaking of them uh for return of the living dead invasion of the body snatcher 78 manhunter oh i gotta 86. get that body snatcher yeah i figured you would eventually um i'll let you know what i, I just hate that i hate that uh nathan thomas miller art so uh, terrible well thankfully most of them have the uh reversible like cover. covers yeah. um adam i i actually was kind enough i've never seen rick and morty oh yeah. um he let me borrow the first volume i definitely enjoyed it um yeah so. it's on netflix i just i don't know if i would like it or not it's on netflix yeah. now yeah I or Hulu. No, it's on Hulu. Hulu. I think, yeah, Hulu. I don't think it's yeah. Hulu. yeah, I borrowed it from Am, just the first volume. Really liked it. Um, I probably will do a review of Secret Life of Pets if um, that, you know, eventually here, here, probably this week. And the only other one I was going to say came from a recommendation of from Victor. And I'll let him talk on it because I still don't know what the fuck I watched. Is um, uh, matt versus jeff hardy the final deletion oh yeah um, which is a 17 minute match you can watch it on youtube uh, i don't know what the hell to say man i i really don't even know i i am so out of loop with the hardys with most of the well TNA, if you watch the right version is it start with the birthday party the yes okay. with the birthday that's party, all you really the, need yeah it is um you know the you know, I, I did check, um, like I said, I mentioned this guy, Brian Zane, who does Wrestling with the Gret on YouTube. His review of it kind of filled in a little bit of the gaps for me. But yeah, like the changing accents, and then the drone fight, and the lawnmower wars, and I don't even know what else to say. And yeah, then the match itself. Just, just to just, tie people in, and we'll do this really quickly. Yeah, so, real quick. Um, so basically, there's a wrestling pro promotion that airs on Pop TV. It's called uh, Total Nonstop Action Impact Wrestling. And it has two guys in it who were big in the WWF in the 90s. Matt and Jeff Hardy, the Hardy Boys. They've been feuding in TNA because uh, Matt became the champion and the pressure of being champion made him snap when he lost it. And he blames his brother, Jeff. So he snapped and became this weird character called uh, Broken Matt Hardy, who uh, basically has a giant white streak in his hair and he talks like a foppish 17th century French character, even though he's from like South Carolina. And he's kind of just snapped. And so they had a match called the final deletion where if matt wins he gets the right to his brother's name and likeness and money and then they what they did is that's kind of weird is they filmed it like a movie so it has special effects it's filmed outside with tiki torches he attacks him with cgi uh drones that can project holograms and it just blew up and became this thing that was like the room 
or um, it is yeah it's it's like a little movie and Birdemic? it's super bizarre yeah like Birdemic. oh yeah totally yeah it's totally in in the conversation of that kind of shit it's just bizarre and you can watch it for free on uh on youtube but yeah it's it's weird it's like trapped in the closet or one of these bizarre little yeah. found footage thing like like a shot on it's the modern version of a shot on video movie that's what i was actually gonna say too even the match itself looks like i mean it literally is backyard wrestling yeah. and like amateur 100 percent, but it's just so unique like at the same time like no one's done something yeah. like this and probably no one ever will again yeah but, um victor recommended i had to check it out as a wrestling fan as well and um yeah it's like a weird say movie the least. it's a weird movie that's yeah. all i can say cool uh and then well, we all saw ghostbusters yep. which opened to a lot of controversy because people were like how dare you rape my childhood by casting women as these characters no, no, no. i i grew up watching on on the first movie in the cartoon and you know uh it's it lots of controversy the angry video game nerd refused re- refused to review it claiming uh you know it ghostbusters is really a horror movie with comedic elements i watched this review and i'm like how the fuck would anyone think that when i was a kid it was it was scary <laughs> as hell to me personally but i was a kid that was one of my but first the thing is and, and, and ultimately it gets to that point it's like of of remakes versus reboots in the original like does a remake or reboot nullify the original movie i don't think that it does but then it's weird in the last few years i feel like there's been this re-examination of like the ghostbusters movies or like i remember watching ex machina last year there's a scene where uh you know uh what's his name the guy from frank who's an asshole todd no, Dominic, Rick. whatever the red-haired yeah, guy, right. and he's talking to Oscar Isaac's character, and he's trying he's trying to use the phone, and Oscar Isaac says like, "Who are you gonna call? Who are you gonna call?" And then he's like, "What? No, I'm making a Ghostbusters reference. What? Ghostbusters? You know that movie where Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost." <laughs> You know, and then I feel like most people are on the boat. The, the first Ghostbusters is a really good movie, and I think it is. It's one of the solid '80s comedies. Whereas Ghostbusters Two, I which I've rewatched recently, is just kind of terrible. I differ on that. I like Ghostbusters Two. Mm. I didn't like it when it came out. I appreciate it better now. I don't like the story, but I thought the uh, the jokes in there were actually pretty good. I like and stuff segments there, and it is, and that's all it really is. They they but they had a lot of really good one liners in there that I forgot were in just Ghostbusters two that I thought were in Ghostbusters one. I I still think my favorite bit of Ghostbusters two is the fake paranormal show that Peter Venkman has. Oh, yeah. He's like, when's the world gonna end? February fourteenth, two thousand sixteen. Wow, Valentine's Day, bomber. Yeah. That's the best yeah. one-liner in that well, he's movie. Got, I mean, I think his interactions <laughs> with Dana are great in it. The I baby do, story the, is what kills me. That oh. and the whole Vigo and the... See, I like the Vigo story, and I like the idea of the I, I like the callback to Vigo in the new Ghostbusters. The yeah. girl ghost at the beginning, and the painting is really awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I have a exact... I'm split down the mill on Ghostbusters 2. I do I saw it in the theater. It's one of the only films I remember seeing as a kid, being very excited because I was a big Ghostbusters and real Ghostbusters fan as well. I love real Ghostbusters. And I love real Ghostbusters. And that is one of the few 
shows from my childhood that stands up. It just came out on DVD like well, it was a week out or two. A while ago, yeah, but the, 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 the cheap set. Is yeah, finally out. So yeah, I'm actually considering getting it. It's worth because the animation price. is really good too. Yeah. Great voice acting, great everything. But I mean that, you know, I don't. My whole thing with nostalgia is, and to defend James Rolf, because I, I will on the respect is, is that my thing is the main thing I don't agree with is, is that. I do not think you you need to see something to have an opinion or whatever is listened to, um, you know. Wait, eat. what are you talking about? Uh, Who's James, James oh, Rolfe? Oh, 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 angry video game nerd. Oh, uh, okay. sorry, he because he actually did his James Rolfe, his actual the person you know his himself, uh-huh. not the character of the AVGN. Although it's obviously on the Cinemasker channel, uh, I you know I don't agree with everything he says. I didn't agree with everything he said in that. My view on it. Um, the birth movie's death one is the rebuttal is absolutely ludicrous overall to me personally to uh, to James's points. My big one. I actually no, nah, I have to disagree with you. Yeah. I do think there's an inherent misogyny in his viewpoint because he doesn't realize it though. I I, I, get, I, I get what you're saying. This it, is the thing. Like you can have like opinions on things and not know where that reaction is coming from. And I kind of think that's part of it. Where he's like. Especially when he says, I wanted a movie where the original crew gets together and hands it off to the new guys. I get where you're coming from. Yeah. I do think that's mining, though. I really think people are looking for something that, to me, is not there. I do not buy into a lot of the ideas of the whole, like, microaggressions thing. I do think that you can say that point, that because I think that you can say, hey, where does this come from? And I'm not saying it. I, think, I don't think, I think there's necessarily – It's. I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing. No, 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 I think realistically, realistically, the movie he wanted – was never gonna happen. Well, you know, there was a good twenty years. No, I listened to it. I know. Well, no, no, not that one. His other video, the history of Ghostbusters yeah. three, which does bring up no the points of why it wasn't made and why it would never was gonna happen. Yeah. But my point on to that thing is is not this that it's that the one thing I two things I would attack James for or at least not attack him challenge him is is that I do think there is a point though you do need to watch something to have. A, a truly informed opinion about it. Yeah, and it. some of the things but, he talks about in his I first video are addressed in the movie. Yeah. And I think his problem, I mean, he could have written an article or something. He's like, okay, I just don't think this movie's for me. Maybe I'll watch it, maybe I won't. When you take a big stand, like, boom, I refuse to review but, but this movie. But people do that all the time. No, no, no. But he like, has a platform where it's yeah. gonna, where it's based completely on nostalgia. Like the, all these guys, but, they sent the ecto cooler to because they want you to get excited. Because like I have such a thing for ecto cooler. But that's my second opinion. Is, yeah. is that what I would challenge him is is that you cannot when people are so knee deep in nostalgia, mm-hmm. which is in a horrible affliction. Not just with the idea oh, of people no. going, and, and I'm here, I'm I'm vegan, but I'll slaughter every sacred cow I possibly yeah. can. Because my view is I don't care about remakes, re-releases, any of them, because I've enjoyed some of them. A lot of them I haven't. But there's a lot of oh, original ideas, putting that in ca- quotations, where people are like, oh, this is so original, it's so edgy and groundbreaking. And I'm like, no, it isn't. It's a retread of something no, else. No, that, that was my whole stance on the Neon Demon. And I've been fighting people on that all month. 
They're like, you don't get it. This is like possession. You're just, you're like saying it's a Lynch movie and that's all that it is. I'm like, no, I've seen possession. I know like her fucking the corpse is supposed to be like uh, Isabella Johnny fucking that squid thing. I get it. I've seen, and you have not seen enough Alejandro Jodorowsky movies to tell me I don't know that Nicholas Winding Refn is just fucking biting Holy Mountain or Santa Sangre here and there and throwing it into a blender and say, this is deep. You know, well, and 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 the just po- didn't mean to get yeah. off on a no, whole no. Thing. It's a good point, though, yeah. to, to get off on stuff. And I will say, there's certain films that, you know, are better than the originals to me. Like as much as I love The Hills Have Eyes, I really love The Hills Have Eyes remake. Yeah, um, and it horror, is good. And it's horror, really good. And horror yeah. is a really big um, horror sci-fi fantasy. What's known as cult or pop culture or uh, whatever it is. And my whole thing is, is I am not afraid. The one thing though is to say that there is a huge wave of misogyny regarding this film because th- to, to ignore that is totally wrong no there, and there is, i feel like it, it is addressed inherently in the movie too yeah well, like if is, we get into jokes, it yeah. no no the internet jokes but i feel specifically the villain of this movie is supposed to be represent people like him and it, it, it is and and that's where i uh, the only part where i thought okay that was a really I think there's a cheapness to it because it's no, also no. Seen, it was. It, it feels totally ADR'd cheap. after the fact. Yeah. Because there's a, they're fighting during the movie, and it's like, oh, I've got your virginity here in the Lost and Found, and then she shoots, and it's like, ha, you shoot like a girl. Like, yeah. I feel like those those two callbacks during the movie were really unnecessary, and it feels like I'm gonna throw that in there as a dig to these people. Well, and I think it's too. It's just like the one scene that I really did not like um, was the idea of the whole. Uh, um, diner scene where diner it's like um, where he's like you serve him this time it's like he's your table this oh time. yeah because that does I felt seem like, kind of like, stupid okay that's really uh, that wouldn't happen in, in that wouldn't life. happen yeah no, but no. I'm sure there are people who go that and, I, and I'm not saying it there is plenty of behavior where it is stalkerish aggressive um you know whatever and there's a lot of i see a lot of men who are not willing to acknowledge well, that scene and there I is, feel but also there's also feel like that that's an inherent prejudice that's unacceptable as well like, i won't i wouldn't go that far i i will say they're I trying wouldn't. to establish that he's a creeper but that's already been established that scene wouldn't happen in real life and we already know he's weird because of the thing he tells Patty in the subway terminal about the laborers and the fourth cataclysm. Well, yeah, and that's funnier. That is funnier. In fact, that scene there negates that other scene needing to take place. Or when he's in the basement of the hotel and you see all his achievements and then they still treat him like shit. So that tells you he's been bullied, that's why he went bad, and he's asocial because of the scene in the subway. That's all you need. Which I And I actually like Patty in that film, in that part, because you see her as the very, like, friendly person Person, and it's like in her reaction is not mean it's like i don't it's know it's a what realistic that, scene very realistic, yeah, yeah, yeah. like i don't know where you come from but to me that's the issue is the the idea of the creeper yeah. becomes its own stereotype where it's like there is behavior that needs to be addressed that's either uh, uh not okay in society in in any society or is literally illegal yeah. but i also think um, that there is also like that's become its own thing too, where it's like, well, I can just brand you this, and that's all you are. It's well, like we it's, might be going too no, deep I, I, because I there, it's a stock deep. stereotypes too yeah. that they're using. Well, well, and I don't want to. I feel like we're shutting Adam yeah, out. I too. don't want to shut Adam out. Yeah, come here. Come what? Come here. Come no, here. no. I you get, well, at first it started out. You're giving a review of a review of uh, a yeah. criticism yeah. of somebody else's opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, so here's you, my. Well, pers- it's trying to find a perspective. So let's start there. Okay. So 
1984, mm-hmm. 10-year-old Adam. Yeah. Ghostbusters was like everything. Okay. Uh, Fred and I just completely immersed ourselves into the Ghostbusters world, probably even more so I did than he did. Mm-hmm. So we always tried to get our little group of, you know, three or four people. And we would dress up. We called ourselves Toastbusters because, of course, you know, we didn't want any infringements. Right, or, right, right. You know, Columbia Pictures coming after mm-hmm. us as, you know, 10 year old kids. We went door to door asking if we could go into the house and make sure that the the house didn't have any ghosts in it Mm -hmm. or if they you know had any disturbances and then we'd ask if they had a piano because you know you'd always do the high keys because the ghosts don't like that uh you know of course some neighbors were kind of freaked out or you know thought it was cute or whatever yeah that was like that whole i think almost like full circle year afterwards so it 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 was my life uh, by the time Ghostbusters 2 came out, I was in that point of being in junior high yeah. where Ghostbusters 2 really wasn't a, Ghostbusters wasn't really a thing for me anymore. Yeah. Uh, toys were not a thing for me at that time. It's like now you want to be more of like a high schooler. Yeah. So Ghostbusters 2 didn't really mean anything to me at that time other than maybe the one-liners and maybe a little bit. I mean, that was like pre-nostalgia. Nostalgia. Yeah. When this version was announced and everything started kind of, you know, the the set pieces were put in place and uh, casting and directors and uh, director and everything like that, um, I thought to myself, well, this is this is unnecessary. And how are they going to do this? Is it going to be beat for beat? the same story as the first one are they going to dovetail off the second one um did, did the ghostbusters still exist in that universe or is this mm-hmm. a new thing and where they took it and okay this is a spoiler cast by the way yeah it's a new thing uh but at the same time i like how they handled um the aspect of sweeping them under the rug Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what they were trying to achieve uh, in between the original Ghostbusters 84 and Ghostbusters 2 and 89, where there was a lot of stuff in Ghostbusters 2 where they're like, you know, you guys are charlatans, you made all this up, it was yeah. all a hallucination of the entire city, you poisoned the water, whatever it was. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um, in this new one, it with what they did with the mayor... And uh, and the assistant and everything, the mayor's aide. Uh, the assistant was great, by the way. I just felt yeah. like that's exactly what you would. Yeah, do. yeah. Andy Garcia was great in this. As yeah, oh, he was he was just chewing uh, the scenery. He needs in that. to be in the sequel of this movie. And yeah, just he was awesome. That one line where he's like, "I'm not the Jaws mayor. Don't call me the Jaws mayor." <laughs> yeah, that was that was nice. Yeah, that's one insider. of the true laugh out loud moments. Yeah. <laughs> But see, that's that that was one of the more refreshing things where it didn't necessarily beat you over the head, but there were there were two beat points in there where they kept getting swept under the rug, and it was kind of a, a microcosm of their um, their pursuit of controlling um, what they discovered as a threat to the entire city. Yeah. So, whereas Ghostbusters one felt like it was a lot bigger than what it actually was mm-hmm. uh, location wise, this one felt 
more contained. I like that it was kind of, even though there's a big, the New York cataclysm kind of, it was just to a few blocks, it seemed. Right. It wasn't a huge story. Not everything has to be a huge story. But what I did like is that it hinted that there's a bigger universe here where ghosts exist and the government kind of knows how to handle them. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, no, Homeland Security, we know how to deal with this kind of situation. Right. So, down the line, they can play with that. So, that was a good thing to throw in there. Yeah, and then, you know, it's just like any other kind of, I guess, statement on the government is it's, uh, they really don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I, overall, I give it like a C. I didn't love it, and I didn't hate it. Uh, Anne liked it more than I did. Um, I th- I think she really liked the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I I liked the characters too. I just there just wasn't enough meat on the bone. Maybe. Well, and, I think that's really high say. praise coming from you because you don't like any of Paul Figg's other movies. Well, that's not completely true. You, well, you said you didn't like Bridesmaids, which I feel like this is very similar to. You know, I never really saw. See, the I didn't thing, feel like it was so, Bridesmaids, yeah. no. but one thing I will say that I've seen a lot of reviews on that I do think nails it. Is that feels like McCarthy and Wig are like f- duking it out for the lines, whereas Jones and uh, McKinnon are more like natural together. Yeah, like, I don't know. See, I don't me, really get that. Oh, see, I I really felt like McCarthy, especially for me, and I I love Bridesmaids. I love Spy. I like a lot of. Um, you know, I, I like those films Cause a lot. Because the thing is, Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig are the co-leads. Usually in these movies, one of them is the lead and somebody else is See, playing. I thought that too. Playing to, to I, that. No, I got that. I thought I McCarthy felt, like, was was actually like low-key in this. No, yeah. she is very low-key. And I think that man. was a good thing because I feel like... Because we've talked about... Uh, and I've talked about Melissa McCarthy and there has to be a kind of... Uh, judicious use of her in movies because if you go too physical it turns into farce Mm -hmm. but she is good at physical comedy and I felt like they found the right they balanced it well Yeah, it doesn't turn into farce it turns into Farley no, it's literally I no. It, no, yeah. if you overuse, yeah, ex- it, oh, oh yeah, 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 it turns yeah, yeah, yeah. not in this movie, it, but yeah, 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 it turns too much into. I agree. With yeah, that. I um, I my thing for this is that's exactly how I feel. I I don't know even on grading is it liked it didn't love it didn't hate it and that's the thing and i never went in with the attitude uh i'm gonna hate this movie or i'm gonna love this movie because that's where i truly feel the whole controversy thing is is that i feel like there's so many people who wanted to hate this for no good reason or for reasons that are total bullshit and then i feel like there are people who are defending it for no good reason or because it was total bullshit reasons and i i don't like either of those sides i feel like when people actually sat down and watched it mm-hmm. i felt like most people walked away with that attitude now there's some people who loved it some people hated I, it i mean but i think most of the audience i saw it with you know i felt like i was feel like, i liked it yeah, it, yeah i liked it too out. i feel it's very rewatchable which i think is the best thing you could say about this movie even though like in my review and a lot of people share this and this is the this is one of the things i think is interesting on cultfollowing.co our two highest most viewed most shared reviews this year are batman, batman versus superman. superman and ghostbusters yeah. so that just tells you when people 
really don't have an opinion or want something. They're, it's the stuff that's like, I don't know what to think. That's what they're going to look to. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of people share it on Facebook and post comments on the thing that's like, I really agree with this. And like, you know, basically what I keep seeing is, and this is what I like hit on on my review, is like, I think like the first two parts of this movie are really good. And they ha- they have some big problems in the third act. And we're on the spoiler cast, right? They go full Stay Puff with Rowan as the Ghostbuster ghost in this Mm -hmm. movie. Like, and then there's a scene at the end of the credits where they hint at Zool for the next one. Correct. Yeah. I don't see how you can do Zool as a villain for Ghostbusters 2 if you've already done the the choose your form of your destroyer thing in this movie. If you're unless you're going to totally reinvent the wheel. And that was kind of my problem with this is when they did the fan service, I felt like it leaned I hated, way too much into that. I hated all the cameos and I'm not afraid to say that at all. I am like am because when the first one comes up is no. Murray. No, I, no, no. You or, missed or the first uh, Oh, you missed Annie. the first cameo then. There's a first cameo. Oh. The Harold first Ramis. cameo is Harold Ramis and that was the best one. Oh, by yeah, far. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I do yeah. remember. No, I'm I'm try I couldn't remember sequentially where everybody yeah. came up. I thought the one for Annie Potts was really clever yeah. as, as a simple one that I can tell like, you what i think the worst one is i think dan Aykroyd has yeah, the worst one he was terrible yeah and it's well, I, well, his, his i can tell you it's cameo. a bad cameo for a lot of reasons one is it's yeah dan Aykroyd as soon as like oh i need to write oh these are class fives you're like oh so you're being ray you're being yeah. ray in a movie where we told you there's no ghostbusters and then you're there to say the tagline from the first movie mm-hmm. yeah it's like fan service fan service fan well, service and it's it really bothered me like dude you just made her look bad by like kind of second guessing her opinion and i'm sure the diehards like woo, he's playing ray and i'm like no no i don't think there's anybody i don't think there was for that. there were people no when, when i saw it on. i saw it with all the ghostbusters and there were people cheering for no. that that little line right there, and that's that's they where were on high at Ecto Cooler. Yeah. That's where I'll stand. Yeah, on the uh, the Ecto Cooler that's yeah. been well they were fermented. overstimulated. Um, but for me, it's um, it, that's where I want to say that that that's to me is the good thing. I've always said it. We've said it in other podcasts, or I've mentioned it. If you want Ghostbusters three, it's Ghostbusters the video game. Yeah, and if you want it has all the voices and everything. New, yeah. yeah, if you want something new. I never have been opposed to it, and that's that's my my final stance on it. Really, is just that it <laughs> stance. It shouldn't be. Yeah, da dunch. It won't. Is is that I went in and I watched it. I didn't love it, but it's one of those things where, like Adam kind of mentioned, when you and and sh- and people who are honest with themselves about any kind of fandom is really reevaluate it without the rose tinted yeah. glasses. Yeah. Well, here here here's because yeah. I, I I just need to cut in because this yeah. is uh, I have a point right here. We saw this movie twice last week. Okay, we saw the press screening, and it was they had two full screenings of it. So they set us in the back next to the Arizona Ghostbusters, the original costume Ghostbusters that we don't really hang out with at all. But we've they're the ones with the ecto car and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was all the dudes there, the older guys, and we we're watching. It, everyone's laughing. These guys stone faced, like just you could see. Like, well, I can tell you, I didn't laugh once in the movie. 
I, I, I don't la- see how I that's did, possible. I did. I, I didn't. It's I really la- funny. I do. I didn't. I'm not gonna say I laughed a huge amount because I didn't at all. That's not true. But I will say the one standout for me in this film is Kate McKinnon. As oh the yeah, Holtzman she's awesome. Character, she was awesome. Like, the, and I truly think her uh, putting her more towards because people are like, man, her role is super obnoxious. And I'm like, I get what? There, who, there, oh, who, who the said that? There were people who said that they felt it wasn't name names. Like, I don't remember <laughs> shit, man. I thought she was so funny right from the get go. No, but yeah. that's the thing is, is that that's what I thought was clever about her. I'm, there were people who were saying that. What I mean by that is, is that it was like they were thinking that she tried and like push her way to the forefront. I said, no, no, no. Mm-mm. She was always. If this anything, character. I think Paul Feig was like because he could have done the whole movie with her as the main character. Oh, yeah. well, I, that's but then I mean. he was smart to keep her restrained because she didn't get overexposed. Well, I'll tell you what I think. She's of the Venkman character to me. Oh, well, see with, to me. It's like this is what we you. I don't think they've really fallen to easy archetypes. I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. I meant more like I feel like that's where I'm saying that it's clever is that she takes a lot of the 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 style, the sarcasm and all that not stone faced, but that it's that a winking eye with saying, but she's not the lead, yes. like that main character. But she ends up stealing all the scenes for yeah. me personally. She, yeah. When I finished watching it, I was glad that they had as, as as much of her in it as they did. And when I really thought about how they 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 took the essence of the the original Ghostbusters and the the main three characters i'm sorry ernie hudson i i I, you're kind of the the lackey that she embodied the original three she had every little bit of each each three of those guys Hmm. Well, she was the the brains. The the but she wasn't but full on Harold Ramis. She wasn't full on Venkman. Yeah, and she wasn't full on Stance. She like kind of embodied yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, I kind of almost ones. feel like they were all like that. You know, well, versus did. like because I think the original Ghostbusters are all like, but they, Egon were, they is, were all very big standouts. Yeah, like they all had their like specific qualities, and it's like Ray was kind of the mix of Egon and. Uh, and uh, Peter in a way mm-hmm. and then Peter was just fun loving like I do the least science of everybody mm-hmm. and Egon's like the hardcore brain yeah but I wasn't saying like you know there's 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 a definite you know you can point yeah, things that, on that's what I'm saying. but that's a that would be the archetype in the film yeah. no matter what because you have to someone has to be they have to have scientific and I remember there was a lot of that's the other quick controversial point is her character the character of Patty was you know oh you made the one black woman the not the scientist and they said but that to me was always the point of i always liked about the winston character mm. was the idea of imagine being a lay person and taking this job yeah. and being like what the fuck are we doing yeah like i've always that's the liked audience that. member yeah. that's the true the audience and member. that's yeah. that, i think that was the smart thing about this movie that you could kind of see yourself as any one of these characters. I mean, in a lot of ways, like, uh, I mean, rewatching the first couple Ghostbusters, I mean, we get that Peter is supposed to be a scientist, but he really never really comes off as one except for like a few Pseudo minutes. Pseudo science, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's a snake oil guy. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like they found a lot of ways to make Patty really useful because, uh, you know, uh, Holtzman. Uh, Abby and Aaron don't really have a lot of practical um, world knowledge. And 
uh, Patty has tons of that, and, and she, she didn't feel forced. No, her character didn't feel they forced, had, and it helps and that's that they all had worried. good chemistry, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, like they all kind of need each other, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it ended up like I said, it worked. I did like the idea again, a spoiler idea, of course, though, of the very one thing I did find terribly realistic. It's a weird little caveat, but is the whole um, denied tenure point. Oh yeah, um, I actually really like that. I like the idea of all of them losing their jobs because that's literally, I mean, I would would happen. Of course, the place where they work, the the Collins yeah. College or whatever the uh, the uh, tech school. Thing. I still think my favorite bit was like when he was telling them all off. It's like like oh I caught it's a bird. Yeah, that you know. But I mean, I agree. One thing strong of that and stuff is it was not a laugh out loud funny movie. I just can't agree with that. I feel like I laughed more in this movie than I have like at anything besides like Keanu this year. I'm hard to please. Oh yeah, takes a lot for me to laugh. I do just. I say that I did see Keanu and I didn't laugh more than like two or three times. I, I was I, I forgot to mention that one a couple podcasts ago. Oh, weird. I was shocked by how because I wanted to love it because I really like Kim Peel and I was like, wow, I didn't barely laughed at it. It's most just, of that. It, I think it just comes down to taste because I mean, yeah, I don't feel like I laugh easily at things either, but I was laughing at this movie a lot and you can and tell I've when seen it's it Victor. more than more than once, you know, and it's not like I laughed at it that one time. It's like, no, it's just as funny as. The one real point, quick, that I do want to say is you were talking about each um, act of the film and section. The one thing I actually really didn't like, I thought the set was really good. Um, I didn't actually like the opening. I didn't either. Um, And I really hated the three jokes he made, especially the one about the Ringling Brothers thing. Oh, the enslaved elephants? No, that was funny, man. Uh, No, I mean, I think it's true, but I just don't. Nobody. It's just. I I think it's just because I really. It's kind of. He's on Silicon Valley, and I already think he's funny. And he was on The Office, and it's kind of like that humor. Like, I like that humor, but. I just couldn't. I I did think it was an interesting way of opening the movie i don't know if they needed to use the original ghostbusters theme that early um it was it was almost beat for beat the same as the first ghostbusters film but it wasn't as strong now nah, i don't think it was very similar to the first ghostbusters film at all really the, the, the opening boy thing oh no no the, uh... i meant the film no i meant the opening oh of yeah the movie. no no i'm sure that was there just to put you at ease i mean there's things to the structure yeah, of the film work. yeah i didn't i don't i don't think the opening is strong i think that developed pretty well but yeah it definitely is choppy in a lot of i spots. did think it was weird how they never once called slime slime and they never made the easy i got slime joke which to me i was like okay that's either restraint or maybe it's like a thing they can't say i did slime. love that by the way yeah. i know there's probably some people going man this is way too nickelodeon like too double dare. yeah but i love melt movies and slime yeah like viscera kind of films did you like the ghost designs i've seen people bitch uh, that they don't like them and i can't names i online various (laughs) reviews birth movies death did not like the reviews Um, the first one i didn't mind and the second one the um subway one i kind of liked i really liked the first one and i liked the subway and then i felt like in the big aftermath of the puritan thing that i didn't like the ringmaster ghost yeah i I thought he looked too beetlejuice and i feel like you know they don't do the dance scene during the um fight yeah i think i kind of think they must have shot them like this is way too beetlejuice because it seems like i don't know if it's beetlejuice it just 
They I, said no. cut the momentum. I yeah. think it'd be a momentum or it'd just be like, oh, come on, guys. Yeah, it doesn't really work. It works well in the credits. It's kind of an Easter egg thing. I guess it's but supposed it's to be, um, I uh, feel like dancing, I guess. Yeah, but like I will like say thing. that there was so much CGI there that like one of the really cool things that happens, I felt I didn't catch until the second viewing how like, oh, the ghosts of New York. And then it turns Times Square into 70s Times Square. But you don't really notice because there's so much CGI vapor. And I'm like, the second time, I was like, holy fuck. That's like the taxi driver billboard. There's all the 42nd Street theaters. Like, that's really cool. I don't know why you would go to the trouble of making that whole thing. They even have the Coke sign from Superman 2, you know, when Hmm. this whole thing happens. And then it just disappears. And they don't really draw a lot of interest to it. I'm like, there's a Fists of Fury uh, double billboard with the RKO National there. Maybe that's kind of like an Easter egg plot point. For I know, the but next it's one. really cool, and it's kind of like. But I mean, for the for the next. Yeah, no, movie. no, it disappeared. But it's just like one of those things. It's like that's really cool. Somebody obviously went to a lot of trouble to make that. But there's so much CGI in that fight that it gets totally lost. Right. And yeah. I didn't like that fight because to me that's not something that was in the first Ghostbusters. The second one, it's like maybe yeah, out but of it the cartoon exist anymore. Yeah. But this is a soft reboot. Yeah, I did. Um, I did laugh though. I will say, or at least chuckle or smile that the uh, when he turns into the real Ghostbusters ghost. If he had just said, "We now return to the real Ghostbusters," I would. You know I what? I will break. say like, that too. It yeah. bugged me that they made Slimer look just like real Ghostbuster Slimer, but then they gave him this weird deep voice. Yeah, I. I was that. like, it should have been like. I even said, Drew was like, ah, oh, this voice should be like Slimer. You know? Yeah, I just. I didn't I didn't dig that and stuff. I was the only thing I was saying was that I really hoped when they went through the portal you were gonna see the other side. Yeah. Like a phantasm kind of thing. Oh yeah. And no, I really think I, they missed And an that bugged me too, because then I even put in our review that's like, uh it's like big like big big hero big hero hero six. Totally especially like the frighteners. Yeah, no, to me, like, the hook thing and everything, and then when, like, when, uh, I remember when, when Rowan's floating away, just turned to Ruby and said, there goes Baymax. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I would have punched you in the face. <laughs> uh, something that you guys missed is the, uh, the, the, the Harrison Ford syndrome. Do you know where I'm going with this? Uh, not really Having sure. to do with Bill Murray. And I think the only reason why he did the movie oh, to get killed and his off. stipulation yes. was, is, yes. I'll be in this film as long as you oh, kill yeah. me off. Yeah, I totally uh, 100% agree with you. Yeah. Yes. Because I remember that was one of his caveats when he wanted to be in the original Ghostbusters. Yeah. I'll be in it if you kill me at the beginning. Yeah. It's the Harrison Ford thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, I will say, the ghost, uh, the winged ghost, was, um, that's where I did start saying, okay, this is getting a little scary. Yeah, the winged ghost looks stupid. I, I, yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't like, go Scoop, because to me, like, the Scooby-Doo live action is not a point of reference to me. I just, I, you know, I, I've heard, like, a couple people say it to the point, like, did somebody mention this in a review? Because I've never heard Scooby-Doo the movie get this much play ever. <laughs> you know, They're getting I'm, more publicity off of yeah, those Yeah, uh, like, literally, I had three people, like, oh, yeah, look, remind Reminded me of Sco- the ghost from Scooby Doo. Like, what did everyone and their mom watch? Scooby Doo Monsters <laughs> we should, Unleashed. We check well, well, the if trends you were a on kid that on Amazon. At Ten, you would be at twenty-five. Well, I'm talking to people my oh, age. Oh no, no, no! I, know, I actually saw the first one yeah. in the theater because I'm actually a big Scooby Doo fan as a kid. Yeah. And I did want to see them. Obviously, they you know weren't great, um, but it is one of those things. My whole thing is is that I have no problem with the. Um, I guess like what you said about the horror mix of comedy thing. The librarian ghost scared the shit out of me as a kid. Mm-hmm. Personally, I mean, I was 
five five years old and it was six years old and it was terrifying well, the hell, hellhounds the hellhounds scared me um the 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 you know the kind of yeah transformation kind of thing always scared me as a kid um you know gozer you know zool kind of scared me the whole idea of um all this stuff it was just frightening obviously like stay puff didn't but yeah you know it was or slimer that was the cartoonish side of me and that's the only thing that i think this film could have used more of was and and I think it started with the mannequin, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of creepy. That's yeah. like a good idea." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Please run with that a little more." And I will say, there's probably a more practical reason for why that wing ghost, you know, looked the way it did, is the fact that they probably outsourced this out to like a dozen different probably. special effects. Well, they com- definitely did with the finale because yeah, you're probably right. Somebody with love and care did the city, and then they're like, "Okay, you know, we'll throw in fifty." Uh, uh, haunted mansion ghosts here in the yeah. Times square you and, take and care it's of it. just it's just one of those things where like they went out of their way to make a really impractical looking ghost trap and i will say that like i liked the a lot of the new gadgets they had but that like ghost trap was really stupid and then they never use it again and basically you're kind of supposed to pick up well the, they tweak the proton packs so that they deionize ghosts like that's what I picked up towards the end, right. but it's still kind of like I heard like how could they kill ghosts at the end? I'm like, well, they kind of mention it a piece of like techno babble, but that's not a really good excuse. Yeah, well, it, it you know, and I don't think the first film necessarily was, or the first or second films. And you know, like, here's the thing, like, uh, is we're, the we're, ecto containment unit just a creation of the cartoon? Because I'm trying to remember if it was in no, ghosts. it's in there. I mean the the. What do you call the big red this man has no penis? You know, I mean, no, you no, see no, no, no. the face of it though. You do see the big red because uh, it's a yeah. firehouse kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like trying to think, like, okay, so they have this in there, but I guess I didn't remember Walter it being Peck, that's the what light is yeah, green. That's right. Green. That's right. That it took me a minute to remember. That yeah, shit. that's what I was trying to figure out. But you're right. The 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 animated series completely created a, uh, the, the world was so yeah. widened by yeah because that's what like the other side in this looked like the the, the inside of the ecto containment unit yeah. and then like there was a lot of fan reference to the cartoon like even like when ray had to go in there one time and he came back and his hair was white like, yeah you know and i'm like that's a deep cut dude like you well, and they mentioned the containment unit in the new one. Yeah, right yeah. during the end. Yeah, during the yeah. end. They Post. said, oh, finally we have something yeah. where we can take them from the trap, and then in, we think we can contain them. Yeah, and yeah. I, I did, um, yeah, I don't know. We got to wind down because Adam's got to go work. Oh, right. Last one I want to know. Oh, I thought you were, are you working today? Oh, no, this is your day off. Sorry, yeah. man. We've been, uh, some of the other times, had yeah. to, like, oh, to rush these here. Um, but I think, yeah, it's about getting closer to wrap-up time. But I want to say the big one that I think probably be controversial down the line is Chris Hemsworth. You know, I thought he was really funny in this, and clearly he was there to make a point about how characters like this in movies are usually women, and they're kind of treated like, you know, eye candy. I do think at points it went kind of a little overboard, like, you know, like, oh, I mean, I still thought it was funny, like, the him with the two pictures of the saxophone. And there's a thing at the end where, like, where it's riffing on, ma- on like, white male privilege, I suppose. Or, like, oh, yeah, I, I pushed some buttons and saved the day, and then I got a sandwich. And then they throw it away, and then, like, he says, little help, and someone throws him a new sandwich. There, there was something maybe about three-quarters of the way through with his character that almost felt like he was possessed from the very beginning. 
it was just this one little moment that was said and he did something where it seemed like he was already like possessed by a ghost it and the could ghost be that they might have changed it in post maybe yeah because that would have maybe given him you know that because uh, i do feel character I yeah i don't want to i don't want to cut you off too much but i do get the feeling that this movie was edited a lot after well, the fact yeah and Anne likes to do the the IMDb after we leave a movie, yeah. and she was kind of reading some stuff as we were uh, driving home. She said the original cut of the movie was over four hours. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Not that we'll probably that. see that on Blu-ray no, because no. I mean a lot of stuff is extra fluff or you no, know, scenes I know. That go like too long, I remember, but. I went to Fantastic Fest in Austin once, and we saw the premiere of Darren Lynn Boosman's uh, Mother's Day, mm-hmm. and he made a point of saying his original cut was six and a half hours long, and he didn't want to tra- trim one frame of oh it. Oh my god! And he's like, one. Hopefully, one day I can release it unaltered, and I'm like, Ugh. it's like. Dude, don't be a precious baby. Especially Mother's and, Day. Jesus Christ. Come on, that man. That movie drags like fuck. But I will say this is something that Zack Snyder needs to take to heart, too, because I feel like um, all he skews all his movies to be three hours long. And his version is always better, but like I swear to God, there have to be better ways to get... Because every time the studio edits his movies, they're like, it's terrible. You yeah, know? We, yeah, well, would have helped was more Caramel Crunch. <laughs> Stat. Yeah. No, but I mean overall, I don't think this was like the disaster that like so many people were trying to say that it was going to be. I feel it was really rewatchable. If I'm going to look at it so far, because we've, you know, now that we have like the press accreditation, we see so many more of these movies now, and I've seen so many bad comedies this year, and I swear this is probably one of the three best comedies this year so far. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, what I'm really disappointed by is just how how it's been demonized since the uh, inception of this reboot. Yeah, and all the all the the stigma that's followed it well, all the way I, up to I the release, feel like, and even you know beyond. I feel like one day we need to do an episode just like trying to like decompress the idea of a reboot. Like, is there a right way to do it? And I feel like lately the thing that everyone's kind of okay with is like the Star Trek method, where like, oh, wait, this is a tangent universe. Everything you love still exists, but this is an alternate timeline. But what they did. With Ghostbusters, I don't know how else they would have been no. able to do it, anyways. Yeah, so that's why I think and it's I kinda a competent film. I just feel, didn't laugh as much. I kind of almost feel that all the fan service cameos are there to kind of like guide your hand. Like it's okay, you can yeah, like see, this. And for me, right. I didn't want any of that. In fact, that and like actually, I, it would be a stronger movie without them. Yeah, well, I also stronger yeah. without a lot of the stuff, and because I think it's like I said, the really, really subversive easter egg kind of stuff is the stuff that really matters i just i again i just do not have nostalgia and that was one thing i never tainted this film or any other film they can you know they remade texas chainsaw massacre my second favorite film people were like oh my god and it's michael bay and everything's gonna be terrible and there are people who hate that movie and there are mm-hmm. people who love it it doesn't matter no in the i end. love it's just, I, you know i it's like to me it's like i love batman movies batman returns is one of my favorite movies oh, but, you know, so is the dark knight right, yeah. you know and to me i can just keep watching new ver just because just because there's a new Batman movie doesn't mean the one I liked. I hate uh, Batman. Uh, Batman Forever. It's a stupid fucking movie. But I, I like the bat suit in it to a certain degree. I thought Kilmer was kind of good, and like 
you know, I like some of the art direction in that movie, but it's a bad movie. But it doesn't invalidate the Burton ones, and the ones beyond it are much better, right. you know? But as long as you find something you like in it, yeah, that's the important thing. Hey, but nobody likes Total Recall. The new one? <laughs> the remake. Yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. I well, I see, that's that's it. It's in, in this, this is, I, I didn't mean to touch on this point, too, but the fact is... I hate, and this is why also why I hate the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. We're gonna remake this movie, but keep all the scenes from the first one that people remember. Yeah. Like fuck you, dude. And I don't, I don't disagree with that. I yeah, mean, I never dis. I mean, I never liked that film. Generally, obviously, I mean, I thought Jackie Earl Haley was not bad as the as Freddy Krueger. I no. mean, people are like Robert England. He always is gonna be Freddy Krueger. Yeah, but it, it you know, it, there's there's got to be. Two. And, then, then, and here's the thing. I, I don't want to cut you off. <laughs> I, I just, I'm going to, but I just want to address this really quick before you go this way. There's there's a couple. There's a, a a school of thought that comes to this thing. All right, we're remaking this movie. Let's find a new twist on it. And they found a great one, micro naps. I thought that was really clever because, yeah. you know, you fall asleep for a second. It feels like way longer. Like, that's really clever. But then they fucked it up by going, let's make him look like he's a real burn victim. And let's make the child molester thing explicit canon. Well, And, there, and yeah. those two things... And this, I'll say this from being a film exhibitor now, and from seeing how many horror movies you see. When you make something as fucking creepy and weird as child molesting an important part of your character's motivation, you're gonna turn off a lot of people. Look how many people get won't see Victor Salva movies just because of his yeah, past. Well, but that's his real life. Yeah, obviously with Freddy Krueger and stuff. And that was one thing that I do feel though that was in the the original films but never was um explicit explicit and, yeah. I, and, and you're right it can work it also some some people like too thought that it was a better element but i do agree 100 percent that the main failing of that film is oh hey we're gonna take a new new trip down elm street but we're gonna make sure that every iconic um still everything that is embedded in your mind but i think that's the problem with every Remake and well, how does this tie into Ghostbusters? So we're not no, going no, off on no, 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 but that's tangent. because right. what he's saying is, or as I'm gathering from Victor, is is the rules, the rules yeah. of a reboot or the rules of a remake is for the people that are like is always nostalgic is to always that. in flux because yeah. you feel like okay, here's the set set boundaries, but that's the thing is you can't have boundaries because that's not right or no. just. You have to be able to do whatever you want, and if fans are upset about it, and that that's this is. This is my argument. I'm not saying that there wasn't, like I said, this misogynistic element. It's there, whether people want to admit to it or not. But it wasn't the sole reason. My thing is, is that I want to argue more against the nostalgia, not just with this film, but with a lot of other films mm -hmm. where people have become, I mean, borderline militant, like yeah. to the point where it's just such a like so much anger. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's like, why are you so angry? This this isn't this isn't threatening your family or your friends you're or your never career. gonna convince no and that the was one you're of the just things just a huge fucking pussy whoever you are out there <laughs> you know if i could much. jay and silent bob the move strike back and come to your house and kick the shit out of you i would because if i had that kind of time and money um but it's just one of those things it's like all come right, on. Well, let me no, well let me all let right, me just, first, just first. really quick because th this is the, the last thing that i have to say about this okay is 
and I've and I've mentioned this before, and it took me a long time to get to this point about nostalgia and being very protective about certain uh, you know entities and and whatevers and and brands and everything. Yeah, is like you said, you just have to let it go. You have to remember that stuff from your childhood is still there i can still watch yeah, the original exactly. ghostbusters movie more and enjoy it just as much now. as i did i'm not going to be watching this new ghostbusters going now you just ruined the original one yeah. you can't ruin the original one the only people the only person who goes back and ruins original movies is george lucas <laughs> right that's very true well and here's uh, steven spielberg and et with the walkie-talkie guns yeah i just yeah, yeah. yeah. but here here's what i'll say i mean to me don't be beholden to the original when you're making a remake. If you find some kind of spin in there, go the John Carpenter route and like buy the rights to something and just use that one little element. You know, I feel like make a fan you pick. didn't have to have like Freddy Krueger in a, in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. And the thing is, everybody uses Halloween Three as like the the bellwether. Like, oh, if you do a Halloween movie without Michael Myers, it won't work. Bullshit. You know, you can try new things. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But to me, like, uh, a lot of people shit on the Rob Zombie Halloween because it's like, oh, the first half is just white trash Rob Zombie, and then the second half is John Carpenter, right? And it's like, yeah, because those two elements are really jarring. But Halloween 2, which is not a remake of Halloween 2, it's like this weird aftermath of trauma movie which is really fucking creepy and unique because you don't usually see a lot of the like you know the lori's got all the ptsd from being attacked by uh, uh michael myers and she's all like uh you know acting out and everything and then there's the weird thing with her mother and with seeing visions of his mother it's like i actually like this movie it's really different you know but at the same time it's not beholden to the john carpenter movie yeah that's more what i want to see and, in remakes and that's the final addendum of course i'm just joking um you know in terms of that in fact that is actually what i'm trying to get away from is is that i'm i'm joking about that but i realize there are people who are serious who would utilize physical violence because they are so right. driven by nostalgia and obsession and i go that's that is unhealthy i don't have to be a mental health professional to tell you that if you have crossed the line from you literally want to hurt people because they have a different opinion than you then i really would encourage you to go out and get some help yeah. because it's like and th that's in the end is the f really true final one that takeaway from this is is that People are going to have different opinions than you. And if you're not okay with that, uh, you know, this world probably isn't going to work for you. And people are going to go, well, we'll remake this world into the, the world we want. And that goes off into a whole other tangent. Yeah. But what I'm saying is this is the fifth cataclysm. Yeah, is the fifth cataclysm. <laughs> is exclusive to just this topic of ju or just this idea about nostalgia and stuff. Adam put it perfect and eloquently. And it's echoed with a lot of people, which is you – will always have your childhood you will always have your dreams and fantasies and imagination and all that and you can still be all those things or have all those dreams it, it's never going to be compromised unless you let it if you decide that everything is ruined by this then that's that's your prerogative but for me it's like I understand, and that's the thing is, is that's what builds a community is mm -hmm. people having different ideas. Exactly. So just yeah, like literally, well, embrace that. In the end, let's look at it this like really logically. We talked about all these remakes that didn't work, like Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth, all this stuff. This one, at the worst we can say is that it was a C, which is still good, which to me is a big accomplishment. Well, I'll see, I'll see the second one. When yeah, it comes out. the the fact that it was a good movie 
and was you know I'll buy it original enough out. yeah like i would see this again i would buy, go see the sequel of this that's a huge win because mm-hmm. most remakes and reboots tend to just like not be very well done i mean me and kirby saw ninja turtles 2 out of the shadows and our review of that was like fan service overload this has a lot of fan service too and it's like i what did i say like i would see this again but it's just like yeah i don't know if it's good it's just kind of there you know for Mm -hmm. turtles too right it is what it yeah it it is what it is that's almost the best you can hope for and i feel like this was better than that right yeah you know wrapping it up all right so yep that's basically what i was saying it's like you know despite all the controversy i thought i think as a consensus we can say it did succeed as a film which is a big win you know mm-hmm. various you know depending on our sense of humors i mean i laughed a lot more than you guys did but i think we all liked it yeah yes <laughs> I've, I've already said everything that i well, need to I, say yeah up it's to a, this point it's a, it's well, the, let's we, start wrapping it up yeah, because yeah, we're yeah, over yeah, two okay. hours yeah all right but yeah, thank we've you said for, enough. Thank you for listening yeah. to us for two hours again. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, for the most part, that's just it. I was just trying to put a bow on it. Yep, but yeah, did. I think I think it was I think this was an interesting uh edition of our spoiler cast. Which this they one always... was by the way, was a heavy spoiler cast, so make sure you put that in there. Yeah. Um well, I know I you it. will. But um yeah, it's good. Um I think Victor's already mentioned everything we got coming up, yeah. but anything else we no, I think that's pretty much it. Like, you know, check us oh, out. Check out, um, if you didn't uh, hang out with John, Gamester81, Game on Expo is happening August 5th through 7th. Um, thanks to everybody who came out for Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Sold out show. It was great to see um, them. And um, AZ Game on Expo has an amazing lineup this year. So be sure to check it out. Right. And like I said, our next film, Terminator 2, tickets on sale now. Uh, just check out our website for more. But until next time. Uh, I'm Victor Marino along with Kirby Nelson and Adam Rakowski. Meow. And uh, stay, <laughs> until next time, to go to the other side, you might come back with white hair. 